Blog Talk Radio. Are we not? <laughs> Did I not start that correctly? Hilarious. I forgot to set the thing right. Conversation. It is area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. And if you are listening live, you can either do so on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan, join, sign up with your free account, and you'll be able to join us in the blog talk radio chat. Or if you have watching on YouTube, you can watch me live and see me in my It's On Like Voltron shirt brought to you by uh, X Demonox, uh, the first Liberal Dan Radio patron. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, there, I, I, I forgot to change shirts before I started the show, so I ran into the other room real quick, got my shirt, and put my shirt on so I could do my podcast with it being on like Voltron, although I don't know if we'll have Yosh with us to be able to form the full Volt, Voltron as we stand, but it is what it is. Wait, no, that's not my line. That's somebody else's line. Whose line is that? It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Uh, so anyway, so anyway, you can join us either on Blog Talk Radio or you can watch us live on YouTube as well. Um, just you know, sign up for free. And if you're on YouTube and you haven't subscribed to me yet, there or whatever you need to do uh, to, I guess, yeah, think of subscribe on YouTube. You can do that. Uh, that that'll help me out as well because I'm trying to grow the channel here as well. Um, but First, this is going to be a very special episode of Liberal Day and Radio, Talk from the Left, that's right, because uh, we're, we're going to be talking about, you know, my weight and living life as, a, as an obese person in this country with, uh, you know, talking about lots of subjects that maybe you've thought about, maybe these are subjects you haven't thought about, especially if you're not somebody as a person who's my size as well. But first, start off every show with this week's headlines. In Florida, after Governor DeSantis crawfished on the idea of punishing schools who insisted on a mask mandate, the Florida Board of Education voted to investigate the districts who are doing it. In related news, the COVID-19 surge in Florida has caused schools to force thousands of students to isolate and quarantine. These two couldn't possibly be related, could they be? Nah. Meanwhile, in Alabama, there are zero ICU beds. Available. In fact, 11 people are getting ICU treatments in beds that are not in the ICU, meaning technically there's negative 11 ICU beds in use. And in another part of the state, 30 additional patients who need ICU care can't get it. In New Orleans, over 3,000 students and employees are said to currently be quarantined, a number that I think is low, considering that my son's three campuses we're at 11.6 quarantine yesterday. It's 10.9% quarantine today with 130-something students out in just 
three campuses of the entire district of Orleans Parish. Meanwhile, the Bessie Board, in charge of education in Louisiana, met today to discuss if we should have mask mandates in school, despite the governor reinstating a statewide mask mandate. However, in an amazing show of irony, the people opposing masking refused to wear their masks in the building, so they adjourned the meeting prior to debating the subject. In Texas, a day after attending a large party, Texas Governor Greg Abbott tested positive for COVID-19 as well. So yeah, things are going fine here in the good old USA. Nothing to worry about. It's all fine. In non-COVID-related news, the recall of Gavin Newsom has been challenged in court. I recall making similar criticisms of the previous California recall election years ago as the ones that are being made in court this week. But on the Republican side, the top candidate is currently Larry Elder. Conservatives do love their TV hosts, don't they? The Republican Party removed a post applauding Donald Trump for brokering a deal to pull out of Afghanistan after the troop pullout during the Biden administration turned out to be the worst pullout since Fred Trump. In related news, this week's hypocrite of the week is former President Donald Trump, who had the current head of the Taliban released from prison during his term, negotiated with the Taliban, agreed to a May withdrawal date, lowered our troop levels in Afghanistan to under 3,000, and is now criticizing President Biden for having to deal with his mess. So much for the art of the deal. Or was the art of the deal that when the Taliban take over, there will be a Trump Tower Kabul? To see who next week's Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune in to Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Finally, a petting zoo in Utah has an alligator named Darth Gator. A man visiting the zoo helped save the trainer when the alligator tried to bite her hand right off. George Lucas would be proud of the gator. And that was this week's headlines. So, again, before we get to the first, we're going to do the first commercial break and, you know, deal with the main subject of the show. But I did want to talk about two things uh, prior to that. The first thing being the California recall. Now, years ago when they tried to recall, and I think it was when uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor of the state. I think it was Jerry Brown. Uh, hey, Sadie Sins. Um, we, uh, we had, uh, yeah, that, that's, it, that's it. Easy words to come out of my mouth. There we go. <laughs> anyway, so we had the previous recall, and, and one of the concerns that I had about the recall election was that um, you could potentially have a situation in California under California laws that basically says if you have yes or no votes, so you have an amount of yes votes to say let's keep governor, the current governor in charge or the other option is to let's dump the current governor and go with a new one. And then the second ballot is the, if, if enough yes votes beat the no votes on the first choice, you then choose the second person. So what happens? The second person potentially could get less votes, or the top person on the second ballot could get less votes then the overall no votes on the recall, meaning more people could vote for or against the recall than they do for the top vote-getting candidate. And California does not allow for the person in the governor's office who is being recalled to also be on that second ballot. So you, don't, you, you have to 
you have to force a 50% majority in order to get that, you know, in order, in order to kick the person out or to, in order to retain office either. If you, if you want to retain office, you have to get 50%, but you don't have to get 50% on the second option to win. I mean, there may be a runoff, but you do, but to me, if there's a lot of people on that first ballot, you know, let's say it's 49 to 51, but let's say 30% want Larry Elder, who again is the first choice of the Republicans so far. Um, that just seems to me to be seems to me to be weird, in that you know if if those if more if more people want the governor to stay in office than want the next choice candidate, then the governor should be the top vote getter. And if there's a runoff, have it be between the top two, because maybe the people do want a different governor, like maybe they want a different Democrat, but would be willing to accept to re- to retain Newsom instead of Larry Elder. And that's the problem with the process. So that's what the lawsuit is saying. Who knows if it will be successful or not? I don't know. Uh, we will see what happens with that, I guess, in the future. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is what's going on with Afghanistan. Um, I think right now it's too early for me to make a show about Afghanistan and what the goings on are with Afghanistan. Clearly, uh, there's a lot more hypocrisy going on. Clearly, President Biden made some statements that I'm sure he is now regretting saying, like, you know, the one about how there won't be choppers on the embassy compared to Vietnam, and and the exact same thing happened. Clearly, I don't think anybody expected uh, the Taliban to be able to just roll through the amount of people, the armed Afghanistan soldiers, that quickly, or that the Afghanistan soldiers would basically just give up. Um, But there's, there's... I think there's a lot more information out there to be understood. I think there's a lot more information to, to study. I think there's a lot more information. I think we need to wait to see more about how the uh, pullout is going. Um, you know, Devonock says we should have never gone in. Um, I don't have a problem with the idea of, of the initial mission, which was taking out the people that attacked us on 9-11. Um, but we should have never changed the mission. We shouldn't have allowed mission creep. Um, but since we did allow mission creep and we were stuck there for 20 years, um, at some point we had to pull out. I don't know um, if pulling out later would have ended up with any less of a mess on our, on our hands, but th- there's a lot more discussions to be taking place. And there's also a lot of think, things to consider. You know, I, I'm, I'm back and forth on um, how I feel about, you know, we have, how about us gauging our foreign policy decisions based on how it will make veterans feel like I understand that if you're a veteran and you served over there maybe you lost a limb or you maybe you're a family of someone who uh, lost a loved one I understand how you might be like well now they're just pulling out and and, you know especially if you've lost your loved one or your loved one is hurt or injured or you were hurt or injured after the mission creep happened like people who died going after Al-Qaeda and the Taliban after 9-11 that mission was clear. I don't think those people necessarily, you know, should be thinking that their sacrifice was for a loss, but maybe I'm still working on that one in my head. Um, let's see. So let's see. By no going in, I mean being there in some way for decades before that mission and screwing them up for a half a century. I mean, 
I mean, there is one clear winner in this whole thing, and that is the military-industrial complex, and that's one thing that can't be ignored or denied. But there needs to be more information um, on that. And I have other things I want to talk about unrelated to that, but it may very well be the topic of next week's show, if not next week's show, uh, the show after that. Um, before I go to the break, I do want to play my Chopper City ad again because, you know, we still don't have the death. We don't still don't have the COVID positivity numbers. I don't think from surges yet. So, weird dog down here in Liberal Dance Chopper City. We got some steals on Harley Davidsons today. Turns out holding surges wasn't that bright of an idea. But while festival goers pass away, we're passing on the savings to you. All our Harleys come freshly sanitized for your riding comfort. And while supplies last, we're throwing in some antibacterial gel and a 12-pack of two-ply, just in case the stores run out again. So come on down to Liberal Band Chopper City and get you a hog today. Liberal Band Chopper City is a fictional establishment, and we don't know what the death toll of Sturgis will be. So, yeah, I played that audio for my son the other day when I was in the car, and he was like, what? What's going on? Why are you coming from a commercial? So he was very confused about that. Who knows? Maybe someone will hear that com- my parody commercial and be like, wow, he has a good voice for commercials. Let's hire him for some voice work. Hey, hey. Um, so we'll see. Anyway, let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. Um, if I can find the – there we go. First commercial break. Come back. Uh, we can take your calls, open up questions in the chat. But we're going to be talking about um, the issue of obesity and living as a, a fat person in America today. Uh, this is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the liberal band radio minicast all right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show, mmm, yeah. If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. 
You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Damanach, host of The World According to Knox. It's time for Season 2, where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat and find me on Twitter by the handle xdemonox. Letter X like X-Men, D-E-M-I-N-O-X. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. Again, you can also join us in the blogtalkradio.com chat or on the YouTube chat. Either link should be on the episode page. So um, this show is a very special episode of Liberal Dan Radio. So why... So what, what, what brings this about? I mean, we were talking about it a little bit last week, and I was pretty easily convinced that it might be a good topic uh, of a show to listen to. If, if you maybe you're somebody who's struggling with obesity, um, who may not have thought about certain things, um, maybe um, you're somebody who doesn't understand why, or maybe you, maybe you believe certain misconceptions about those who do struggle with obesity and maybe you uh maybe maybe you just haven't heard of them of those other reasons or haven't lived certain life experiences to to know what obese people go through um maybe you you know maybe you just have questions and if and if anybody has a question i am absolutely sure you know i'm, I'm unless they're completely mean-spirited, I would uh, be more than willing to uh, answer those questions for you. Uh, if you have any questions about anything that I say, want me to go in a little bit more uh, about uh, the topics that I'm discussing. I, I do have a lot laid out. I stayed up rather late last night just plotting out all of this, trying to think of every single possible thing that I could possibly want to talk about. And I'm sure at the end of the show, I'll, I'll have missed one or two, and I'll be like, yeah, I wanted to bring that up as well. But, you know, Maybe over the course of this, and as I'm talking about things, I might something might come up, so I might recall something, or maybe somebody wants a question that will remind me of something that I missed. Um, but one of the reasons this came up again was was just trying to explain the reasoning for uh, fat man rants, um, because I created that. Let's roll back a little bit further to the precursor of fat man rants. Um, Back in the 2008 election cycle, I was making videos uh, about uh, the election. About I, I posted response videos to the debates. You know, I, I chopped up clips of the debates between uh, Barack Obama and John McCain, and I would, you know, talk about you know what what was said. Um, and as it always happens, you know, it happens currently on my TikTok videos. It happened back then too. Uh, people who couldn't stand to debate facts 
uh, would be like, well, you're fat. <laughs> and it happens a lot. Uh, so, so basically, uh, but, but, but why, so why do I have to make the fat man rant? I think Tyrion Lannister says it best. Never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not. Wear it like armor. And it can never be used to hurt you. And maybe that's an oversimplification of it, of it because while, you know, I may do the fat man rants and I may use those fat man rants as the suit of armor, uh, to make it so that uh, people can't then come on those videos and say, well, you're fat. Well, no crap. I'm fat. I, I have a video. This video is called a fat man rant. Um, and if you listen to fat man rants and you hear the quasi operatic intro to fat man rants and you haven't figured it out yet, um, all of those voices are me. So I did all of the voices for fat man rants, the intro. Um but, but I'm, I'm leading with, hey, I'm fat, I'm a fat guy, and here's my rant, deal with it. So people then would look ridiculous to say, you're fat. Well, no, this is a fat man rant. So there's no reason for you to point out that I'm fat because I've already told you that. Um, so it's redundant. Now, this doesn't mean that there won't be people who do it, but it, I've found it to be much less likely to happen on my fat man rant videos than on other videos where it happens. So... And, and honestly, you know, nowadays, it, I'm, as a general rule, more comfortable with myself in my size now than I was like back in high school, or even younger than that, even in middle school, summer camp, I, I think, when I used to think that I was fat, and I look at pictures that I should have shared, I should have brought the picture and shared it to the camera or uploaded it to the screen just to kind of show you, hey, this is what I used to look like when I thought I was fat. And I would, everybody, you hear a lot of people from, they say, I, I would love to be as fat as I was when I used to think I was fat. Um, let's see. Boo, boo, boo. Assume it. Well, we'll deal with the questions in a second. Um, so let's go back and guess deal with my history with weight and with weight loss um, and with my struggles of body issues and, and, you know, the body identity and where I always, I always was, you know, I hated, 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 hated as a young kid when we have to go shop in the Husky section. And see, that's one of the things that I forgot to put in. I was reminded of it just now. I hated the Husky section. It just, it, it just makes you like, I'm not a dog and it just makes you sound like, it has to, why does it have to be named that? Couldn't it be named something else? But yes, the, the husky section was where I would shop. But after I kind of you know, grew out of the husky section, you know, I, I still was, was bigger, but I wasn't as big. I wasn't, I wasn't like the largest kid in, in school. It's hard for me to say in my class, because when I was in middle school, there were only uh, four kids in my class sixth and seventh grade and only two kids in my eighth grade class but a lot of the classes were with younger folks and there were people who either my size or bigger and it was a rather small environment and you didn't really see that much picking on people for their weight um you know I, I didn't really suffer that much from it at that time because it was such a small setting um but I still kind of felt like you know you know old, you know, eighth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, just getting into, you know, where you're really interested in some girls and, you know, I had a crush and I, I never felt like I was 
you know, in shape enough for the crush, uh, thought that other people, you know, that she might want other people as well. That kind of also went through high school. I didn't have necessarily problems dating in high school, but I also felt like I wasn't thin enough to, to date some of the people that I was interested in dating. Um, I've come to find out that I was wrong. Um, I've heard uh, after the fact, oh, I had a crush on you in high school. I was like, what? what? Why did you tell me? Obviously, I would not go back and change it because if you change your past, you change your future, most likely. And I wouldn't want to change what I have now, family-wise. So, but it was just like, what? I had a crush. I even had somebody tell me that they had a crush on me, and they didn't. They didn't approach me because they felt that I was out of their league. And I'm like, what? So the fact that people have these just, you know, these views, and maybe she thought she was overweight too. I don't know. I thought she was hot. Maybe she thought I was. But society has such a horrible stand, has such horrible standards when it comes to body shape and size that it's just difficult for people, especially young people who don't know how to have that confidence about themselves. Um, that's another thing I'll have to add in. Um, let me just type that in a second. Um, when I realized. Size didn't matter. Well, size did, at least when I realized size didn't matter, uh, body size wise. I mean, it might matter to you in other places, and I'm not judging if, you, if you're a size queen or not. But, um, but let's go back. So, it, as a freshman in high school, um, I was probably about 145, 155 pounds. I, I don't know exactly what it was. Um, but you know, I really, I used to love swimming as a young kid. Like I used to love going swimming. I like, I got my advanced swimmers, Red Cross, Red Cross badge at, at my day camp, you know, earlier than a lot of other people that I knew. I was, I was a pretty good swimmer, but it was one time in summer camp uh, when I was in, you know, my sleepaway camp that I went to, um, I beat the guy that you probably would have imagined would have beat me because I was a pretty fast swimmer. I mean, I was in no way, I probably would have never been anywhere close to being Michael Phelps even though we were both from Baltimore. That's probably the only thing that we had similar. Um, but I was pretty fast for, you know, not being in any sort of professional swimming thing, no, no professional swimming meets or whatever. Um, but the freshman year of high school, I didn't want to join the swim team simply for the reason because I was too ashamed of my body and I would have to wear a Speedo. That's it. That's the only reason. Even though I loved swimming, I loved, I loved the idea of racing for swimming. I was so body conscious about how I would look that I was like, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to put that on. I'm in too embarrassed. Um, I thought it was way too fat. So freshman year. So the, but the first fall sport I tried out for was basketball because I also enjoyed basketball. So I tried out for basketball for, for JV bas- basketball. I was actually a better shot uh, than a lot of the people that tried out, but I wasn't as fast. Um, as maybe other people on team and the guy was looking more for speed than, you know, shot, even because my size, I was too short. I was like five, seven, maybe at the time, Um, you know, the second year, sophomore year, uh, I tried out for basketball. Well, the first year I tried out for basketball, that didn't work. So I tried out for wrestling because I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'll try for wrestling and maybe that'll work. But no, because my size at 145, 155, again, I wasn't, you know, I would love to be as fat as I thought I was back then, but I was still chunk, chunkier, and my weight class put me with juniors who were flat on my back. Done. So 
after one, one or two days of wrestling, I was like, this is not for me because I'm not going to be able to beat these people. So no sports for me freshman year. Sophomore year. Uh, again, tried out for the, J, for, the, for the JV team. Also failed to make the team. Um, again, still the problem was I wasn't fast enough. Um, but so this time I'm like, well, am I going to, am I going to go try out for, uh, for, uh, wrestling again? No. Um, but it was, it was basically almost peer pressure. I was everyone like, well, just join the swim team. We need people on the swim team. Come join the swim team. Fine. I'll join the swim team. Um, so I did, and I dealt with that for two years and, and, and I eventually got over the body consciousness and just dealt with the fact that I'm wearing this tight little speedo or whatever. And, but still, it was always an issue. Even though I, I had, like, during junior year, I think I did have somebody, you know, I did have people who were positively commenting maybe on my butt. And I was like, okay, well, maybe that gave me a little bit of confidence. But still, I was still embarrassed about the whole thing. I, I really didn't, you know, whatever. Um, but when I graduated high school, I was about 195 pounds. Or maybe, like, at the end of the summer after I graduated high school, I was 195 pounds. Uh, instead of 5'7", I was now six feet tall. I still thought I was fat. And again, I would love to be as fat then as I was. As I, I would love to be now as fat as I thought I was then, because I would be so. I would feel. I would. I'd feel much better about myself, especially if I knew now what I know about body weight or whatever. And again, that's the problem with society: is we treat everybody as if they are gigantic, they are huge whales or whatever. Um, we, we treat them horribly because they're just maybe 20 to 30 pounds heavier than what society compares them to be ideal. Just remember another thing. Okay. Um, maybe, and so size wise, you know, people talk about the, like the freshman five, freshman 15, I probably put on about 30 to 35 pounds after my freshman year of college. Um, sophomore year, I maybe put out a little, put on more um, during like maybe like the, my junior year. I think it was my junior year because I was living in back of my fraternity house um, that year. Um, I, after my third year of Tulane, I took a year off and then I switched and I switched schools. Um, but that junior year is is when I started maybe gaining more confidence about myself um, because of the fact that I I kind of realized that size didn't matter. And what what made me realize this? And honestly, it's it's pure ridiculousness that this is what it takes to make you feel like maybe you shouldn't worry about it that much. Um, but it had to happen this way for me because I had such, again, let, let's roll back through to, to, to high school. I felt that my worth as a human being was determined as to my dating success, or maybe even go so far as to say, if I could get laid. The ability to get laid or not get laid was, was this part of toxic masculinity. It's part of this toxic culture uh, that, that we, we kind of instill in boys and men uh, that, they're, that they're not manly unless they could go, um, you know, get some. So, and, and, and I felt like I was a little bit delayed in that. Um, I felt that I was, you know, and even when it, it happened, um, it, you know, you know, it, that, that it was, it's just bad that that's the sort of thing that gives you worth and it shouldn't be, you should find worth from any other things. But I was not yet mature enough to, to really understand that 
that there was more to me to offer than just that. And my failure to be able to uh, be intimate with people um, shouldn't define who I am as a person, but I'm 45 years old now and I wasn't then. So I don't realize these things. Um, but with, I think within the span of like a week and a half, um, like I, you know, maybe dated, met somebody who I didn't think was necessarily, you know, in my league or whatever. Um, and I was like, you know, that happened. And then maybe like a little couple of days later than somebody else I met. And again, it was somebody who was just like really beautiful. And she, we really hit it off. And it was somebody who was visiting from town. Um, it was like a weird like you know i was talking to people on the internet and this friend a friend of mine from the internet was like i have these two other friends uh, who are coming to new orleans will you show them around and show them a good time i'm like sure no problem and i met up with them and one thing led to another and whatever and we had a great weekend and we continued to talk for a while after that um but it was so long distance that it wasn't really going to work out and then a, an ex of mine who i dated for a while called me up out of the blue and pretty much was like, when you come back to Baltimore over the, over some break, I want to see you. Um, and so I kind of realized at that moment, and I'll get to the questions in a second. I kind of realized at that moment um, that there are people who are attracted to me, regardless of my size. That's that some people like larger men. Some people don't like larger men and that I shouldn't be insulted when people aren't attracted to me because just as I can't control who I'm attracted to or what I find attractive, they can't control who they're attracted to either. If somebody looks at me and they're not attracted to me, that's not a slight against me and that's not a slight against them. They have every right. Now, if how they share those feelings, um, how they share those feelings uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, dislike of that person. Now they could be like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just really not attracted to you, but you know, you're a cool person. Let's be friends. That's fine. I'm, I'm not, I'm not somebody who bemoans the friend zone. You know, you like me enough to be a friend. Cool. I like it. Let's be friends. Um, but if you're like you, you're fat, I would never date you. Yeah. Then you're a toxic, horrible person. Um, two other things that I forgot to mark in my notes though, during that year off, um, I remember there was one time I was working at Pat O'Brien's downtown, large, very popular bar down here in New Orleans. Um, you know, I, I was just needing a year to kind of clear my head with some other personal issues, not related to my size, but uh, more, you know, kind of family related issues, somewhat money related issues, somewhat. Um, I, I was really, I was declining in school and I needed just a, I needed a, a gap year, I guess, so to speak. Um, so I, I almost missed the streetcar. I start running. I start running to catch the streetcar at the next stop. Now, maybe at this point, I'm maybe like 270. I don't know. But I caught the streetcar. That, that, you know, that's so, obviously, I still had some speed on me. Um, and this sorority girl, and I recognized her when she said it. I recognized what she was like. I knew what sorority she was from, too. She yells out, run, fat boy, run. Now, again, 90 to 95% of the time, I'm not down about my size. Uh, it, and I was more mad about what she said, not because she said it to me, but what if she had said it to somebody else who was 
further down the, the path of depression about their weight. You know, what if she had said that to somebody else who was not as comfortable with themselves, who had not already gone through the whole, I don't care if you don't like me. And the funny thing, the funny thing about the, that the, the me understanding that it doesn't matter that people are going to be attracted to me regardless of my size was that that gave me confidence that I didn't have prior. So I had less of a hesitancy of approaching women to be able to, you know, talk to them and, and, and chat them up and, 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 and not fear rejection. And that confidence made me more attractive and made my social life much more successful as well. Um, I remember like there was one time at a bar and, and I was seeing one of the two women that I met that night for, for a couple of months. Um, but like, I never would have gone up to two women before that at a bar and been like, you know, Hey, how's it going? And not given a care in the world. So approaching one woman was hard enough for me, let alone two, but whatever. Um, so anyway, so the sorority girl was from a sorority and this is the, the toxic, toxic thin culture, or I don't know what you want to call it, but the, the, the fat phobia that exists in our culture, one of the hazing things that this sorority would do, um, in, um, and Devin just Brian in the chat gave me another, reminded me of something else to bring up that is true about me as well for the most part. Um, but this sorority would wrap their pledges in cellophane, saran wrap or whatever, and use Sharpie and circle the problem areas. It's terrible. It's disgusting that that's what would happen. That's disgusting. Um, but that's one of their hazing things that they would do. They were known as the, quote, hot sorority. Everybody in that sorority was um, was uh, – was was known for for they put looks above above everyone else and there was another sorority, the AO Pies, who had to take a four year break from campus because they were known as the fat sorority and could not pledge anybody. I knew people who were part of that sorority. There was nothing you know fat about them. They I mean there's nothing wrong with being fat, but there was there was the the, the standards that would label them fat were just ridiculous. You know they. They had, some of them had curves, sure, but they weren't they weren't skinny little toothpicks, sure, but they they were they, but they were just scarlet letter, I guess, but the scarlet whatever you want to call it, they were the fat sorority, and as such, they could not get pledges, so they took four years off and, and then restarted afterwards simply because of the fact that they couldn't get any pledges because people were afraid. Uh, to pledge the sorority because then they'd be deemed as being part of the fat sorority. And that's, again, more toxicity pertaining to fatness. Um, so let's see. So right, so I took a year off for school. Um, maybe I was 270 at that point, fluctuating up and down. I don't think I got much more to 270 until much afterwards. I changed schools. I was with, a, I was dating somebody at that time. Um, and before Katrina, I was like 320. I got all the way up to 320. Um, and there were times I would try diets like Atkins. Um, I would, you know, I, I might lose 50 pounds in a month or two on Atkins because I was very successful and, and I was able to find ways to be able to deal with it. Um, I had, because I was in school still, I had access to a gym that I could use all the time, which would help me lose weight as well. 
Um, not to have an extra expense of going to the gym, just being a student gave me access. Um, but I would drop 50 pounds or two, but then I would, something would happen and I would stop dieting and I would gain it right back. So I would just, you know, do that roller coaster up and down, up and down. And I think by the time I evacuated for Katrina, um, I was about 300 at that point. Um, we came back, uh, we evacuated for Katrina. Um, I had broken up with the women somewhat thereafter. But during the time of us returning back to Katrina, me breaking up, me going uh, to uh, live, you know, in my own apartment, um, food options after Katrina were kind of rough for a bit. So I was eating a bunch of MRE, and MRE are packed to calories, and they really don't tell you that, and you really don't understand that. So I probably put on in that six months about 50 pounds super quickly. Um, and ever since then, um, the weight just can just – slowly and slowly and slowly crept up. Um, I was at my heaviest uh, of July 25th of this year. Last year, I had dropped 40 pounds, um, but then gained 60 after that. Um, I'll go into a little bit about after that, after the break, though. But, you know, and I've since, since July 25th of this year, I've dropped 20, 21 pounds. So I've started counting my calories and doing, the right, doing it the right way. Um, but we're going to go into that reasons why the recent fluctuations of weight i'm going to start dealing with the questions in the chat uh taking your calls as well if you do want to call in um let's see where's the there you go so if you want to call in it's uh 914-803-4131 that is 914-803-4131 this is liberal band radio talk from the left that's right host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will? <laughs> Catch you on the team. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberaldan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot liberaldan.com. This is Amber Petrovich, a.k.a. Just Capital, talking investing and finance in the Just Capital Minute. Finn refined the brokerage Robinhood, a record $70 million for, among other things, lapses in customer service. This brings up an important issue. Which brokerage should you use and how do you choose one? There are several things to think about when you're choosing or switching to a brokerage. The first one is fractional share trading. 
Some brokerages that offer fractional or partial shares are Schwab, Robinhood, Fidelity, and Interactive Brokers. The second thing to consider is what the brokerage's interest rate is for trading on margin, i.e. borrowing from your broker. The higher your account balance, the lower interest rate you will typically pay to trade with margin. The average rate is about 5%. The third thing to consider is research. How much market information, including news, technical, and fundamental data, do you want? Do you want interactivity in your charts? Do you want a social experience? Then Webull may be the one for you. This has been the Just Capital Minute. Build wealth and fight the wealth gap. And welcome back to Little Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. We already gave a shout-out to Demodox for this lovely shirt, uh, for being the first Little Dan Radio patron. We also want to give a shout-out to Cesar and your boy Chris uh, for also supporting Little Dan via the Patreon, you can do the same. Uh, go to uh, patreon.liberaldan.com or patreon.com slash liberaldan. Either way, you'll do it, and you can support the show. You can either you know, support the show at minimal levels. You can buy advertising, sponsor bits. You could sponsor Hypocrite of the Week. Um, I'll change the wording and say Hypocrite of the Week was brought to you by so-and-so. Um, or you can sponsor Words of Redneck Wisdom or Headlines or the Studios. There are many options for you there, so check it out and support the show that way. But if you don't have enough money to support the show on a regular basis, you can also buy me a slider uh, via the link on the show thread, or you can also uh, just simply subscribe to my uh, social media accounts or follow me on social media wherever I exist and find those links on liberaldan.com as well. Um, So we're talking about uh, living as a uh, large obese man or whatever in uh, in this uh, culture that we have, a toxic culture that, that treats, you know, just a little bit of fat uh, as being somewhat, you know, somebody is viewed poorly because they have a little bit of fat on them. But um, so we, we had some questions and comments. I managed to answer one of them while he was typing. Uh, Demonox did ask, uh, self-deprecating fat man humor, does it come from the same place as depressive views people? Uh, Try to make other people laugh to distract from the pain or trauma? Pretty much. And I did kind of say that earlier, but yeah. Um, Sadie Sins to change the framing to own it. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, right. Demonox, make a girl laugh. It doesn't matter what you look like. So I'm gorgeous. So bonus. Well, obviously. Um, let's see. People can't see past themselves uh, in the social mirror. That's true. Uh, it's also interesting how comparison shapes our own self image, rarely in a positive way. That's also true. Uh, Demonox, I was chubby most of my life. Still can't go to the beach with a shirt on. Again, that's something else that I neglected to bring up, that I neglected to put in my notes. That is also something that I deal with. Uh, if I go to a beach, I am very unlikely to take my shirt off. Um, and I, even if I lose every single pound that I want to lose, it's very possible that I still might not be able to take my shirt off because it will, will depend on how the, the, the skin looks. Because a lot of times when people lose a lot of weight, they have a lot of just hanging skin. And that also might be, you know something that I don't want to have to deal with. It's possible that one thing I might want to save up for if I do, if I am able to lose all the weight is to get the skin removed. Um, and some, cause sometimes that's not covered by insurance. You have to get somebody who's adept at uh, chasing that stuff. Um, 
Sadie Sins run fat boy thing. We really do describe people by visuals, especially people we don't know. Yeah. And again, you know, it's, as I say about a whole bunch of other things, you know, it takes zero effort to be nice. It takes, it takes zero effort to not be cruel. And the fact that that was this person's idea where, where I'm here, I'm trying to catch a streetcar and I'm busting my ass to, to, to not miss the streetcar and get to work. And the first thing she thought of was to shout, run, fat boy, run, you know? No, she doesn't realize that fat men are good at eating. Um, Sadie Sins also, ooh, sororities. I thought they died out with the 80s movies. Uh, they're still a thing. Um, a lot of them are as stereotypical as you expect. A lot of fraternities are as stereotypical as you might expect. When I was in my fraternity, honestly, it was just a group of good guys. And it happened to be cheaper to join the fraternity than to live on campus, but that's not why I joined. It was a bunch of good men, good young men. We were like the we were the nerd fraternity. We were almost the Trilams. Um, I don't think we were that nerdy. And even in the nerdy fraternity, like you know, I, me, and some of the other friends that I had were also part of the, you know, the we called ourselves the Scum Brothers, um, but we weren't really that scummy. But we, you know, dated more and you know made horrible jokes and stuff like that. Um, but okay, so why, um, did I have the weight issues this year? Why did I, you know, I had a lot of success losing weight and, you know, lost 40 pounds relatively quickly by doing it the right way. And I'll get to the right way later. Um, and so one of the things, um, with eating is it's self-medicating. Um, I had some serious betrayals from some people that I thought were really close friends during this past year, two years. I don't even know who some of them were. Like, I don't know if they were close friends, but there were people on my Facebook friends list who basically gave information to other people who I didn't want to have the information, so I didn't make the post public. But these people went ahead and shared them anyway and, and with these people who were very toxic. Um, Brian knows uh, who uh, who I'm talking about with that. Um, you know, some people will do drugs when they're depressed. Other, people's will, other people will drink. Now, when I get drunk, it's typically nine, maybe 99 times out of 100, it's because I'm enjoying the taste of what I'm drinking and I'm enjoying the buzz and I'm not doing it necessarily to self-medicate. Um, there have been maybe once or twice where I was like, ugh, and I, did, and, and I felt like getting drunk versus eating. Um, I think one time... We had some, like, I think my wife came home and she said, I have to get, like, $1,500 of dental work done. And I'm like, oh. So the rum was gone at that point. I had a lot of rum that night. Um, but generally speaking, I eat. Um, and after I lost that weight, I, I just started feeding the sadness. I was not watching my calories and, and, and using fat using fat, using food to cope with your depression is one thing that people don't often talk about. People often look at it, look at drug addiction and alcoholism as ways that people cope, but hardly people look at food as a coping mechanism. But it's not always even about feeding the depression and self-medicating. I also get joy out of food as well. Like, you know, it's not always to treat my depression. Sometimes I just you know, it's a way of giving myself euphoria, um, a huge, delicious steak, a large order of sushi, all-you-can-eat crab legs, and just, you know, 
every bite is just euphoric. But th- there's a reason for that too, and I'll, and I'm going to get to that later, um, or at some point in the conversation. But there's a reason for for that that you get that euphoria, you're getting those good feelings from you know the crowd, you know, like we would go to Disney World. One time, this is this is one of my how Dan got fat. There's a there's a joke. An old comedian, Alan Sherman, um, would uh, told a story about how he got fat. Uh, his parents would tell him that there were kids tra- starving in China or I think or Asia at that point. That was a line. Um, so he would have to clean his plate because kids were starving in China or in Asia or whatever. Um, so he would clean his plate four, five, six times a day and they kept starving and he got fat. Um, I went to Disney world one time and it was the wor- It was, I'm usually a very good planner. I mean, I have the whole budget ears ad that you heard early on. I'm usually a very good planner when it comes to choosing where to eat based off of what park I'm going to that day. Well, I made, I chose I thought I chose poorly because one of the days we ate ourselves around the world. It was food and wine, all these little snack areas to go to, to enjoy. And then that night after eating my way around the world and getting stuffed, that's the day that I chose to go to the all you can eat seafood buffet at Disney world. Not very smart. I'm thinking, but apparently I found out that I, that either I have a second stomach that's, specifically for crab legs or the fact that the crab legs while coated with all their buttery goodness after you dip them in the drawn butter, just maybe find ways between the crevices of the other food that's sitting in your stomach um, and made and, and I was able to finish like six plates of crab legs because then every single bite of crab legs was just like, and there does get to a point where I feel full and I just can't bother eating anymore. But there, but it, it's like, it gets that it, there's no, it, I don't necessarily feel like, Oh, I could stop eating now. It, it, if I'm at an all you can eat buffet. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm Jewish. I don't know, but I feel like I need to get my money's worth. <clears throat> Self-deprecating Jewish humor. Another thing that, you know, is, is related to, I guess, traumas that Jewish people deal with. Um, but, but a lot of that also, a lot of that comes from a, another topic we're going to get to later. Um, but a lot of that comes from just a lifelong, you know, lifelong poor eating habits as well. And not just eating habits that are poor, but eating habits while poor. And that's, a, that's one of the systemic issues, the societal issues that I sometimes get some play, but maybe a lot of people don't realize it as much as it is. It's expensive to eat healthy. It's very expensive to eat healthy. You, you go get a couple of cheeseburgers from McDonald's uh, for three bucks or maybe more, depending on what you want to eat. You, you could get a happy meal or not a happy meal, but you get a, a value meal for five bucks and then load yourself up with calories. Or you can buy a, a bunch of salad stuff and you have to spend what, maybe 10 bucks for a salad. I don't know. Um, you, 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 there are, it's, you know, the, the food in the can, the processed food, the, the, the food that are, is usually cheaper than food that's fresh, Fre- you know, canned vegetables, cheaper than fresh vegetables, um, foods packed with fat and fillers and nitrates are cheaper than, again, more fresh food, um, cheaper 
to eat bad. It's cheaper to eat cheap food, which is usually higher in fat, higher in fillers, higher in the bad things, and less good things. Um, so again, so, so, so some of my eating habits were poor eating habits in that I was making bad decisions. You know, you'd sit there with a bag of Oreo cookies, and after you're done, the entire half of a, the entire row of Oreos are just gone. You've eaten a bunch of cookies with a giant cup of milk, um, which also is, you know, not the best for you. If you, you, you should drink, you know, a lot of people say you should drink milk. Milk's good for your bones, but milk does have a lot of sugar too. Uh, if you drink too much of it, again, it's just more carbs, more calories that are going into you. Um, and you just sit there, you, you, you mindlessly eat and it, it just pound packs on the calories. Now, when I was in high school and on the swim team, you know, maybe it didn't matter that much because I was getting a lot of exercise. So even though I was eating a lot of calories, I was burning them. But if you're not as athletic or if you're not doing those, ex- those activities, you're eating, those are just calories that just sit there. And again, the, probably the, the cheaper cookies are more exp- are, are easier to buy, and you just buy more of them because oh, I can get you know ten packs of cookies for ten for ten bucks, or you know you know three packs of cookies for ten bucks. Well, let me get the ten pack because it's even cheaper, and then that's just more empty calories going into your system. So again, cheaper food isn't is it's, it's hard. It's expensive to eat healthy. It's generally expensive to be poor. Also, we went into that a little bit, I think, last week. Um, let's see. Go some more questions. Let's see. It's frustrating how our comfort levels in our bodies seem determined by how they see us. From a female's perspective, the male gaze comes up a lot. This feels more the society gaze defining us. True. Um, I can't necessarily speak to that. To, 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 you know, I have been, you know, objectified by some men. I, I, I've had stories that I've told where women have said after I posted them on like Facebook, they'd be like, Welcome to life as a woman. You've now had a taste. This is what we deal with all the time. So, um, also, hunger can be from depression, low dopamine, um, ADHD, low dopamine is depression and hunger and distraction. I'm going to get into that a little bit later as well. Um, Sadie Sins, I used to have the comedy act on record. Yeah, my um, my grandparents used to always play it for me. It, it was on tape. I think they taped it off the record. Uh, I think it was My Son the Folk Singer is one of the ones that it was on. And I think she had mentioned on my Facebook page too, and um, they were playing the uh, they were playing the Fre- the French national anthem um, because the next Summer Olympics is going to be in Paris, and they uh, started playing the national anthem, and I started singing. Louis the Sixteenth was the king of France in seventeen eighty nine. He was worse than Louis the Fifteenth. He was worse than Louis the Fourteenth. He was worse than Louis the Thirteenth. He was the worst since Louis the First. And that was the that was the parody song that he did was uh, "You Went the Wrong Way, Old King Louis." Um, so, and it was funny. Uh, I guess fortunately, my parent, my grandparents had also I guess made me know that other song as well, so I could understand part of the joke was it was the parody. Uh, you went the long way, wrong way to St. Louis. Um, but I guess Alan Sherman is one of two people, probably. Uh, Alan Sherman, Tom Lehrer, and the Weird Al Yankovic are probably to blame for my love of making parodies myself, even though I don't have as much popularity with mine, even though um, Demonox, Brian, and others tend to like my You'll Be Back 
one that I made. Um, it's also time consuming to eat healthy, so working demoralized jobs takes your energy, and then your time is either recover or do more once home. And I also uh, agree uh, with that um, as well, is, is that sometimes it's not even a matter of time consuming to eat healthy. I mean, you have to make your food, you have to prepare your food, um, but, you know, you work, you know, working late night shifts. Like I used to work late night shifts uh, when I was in college, when he worked at a hospital for a while, when I worked waiting tables. Um, what are you going to do? You're going to get home and then you're going to want to go into the kitchen and make yourself, you know, a salad, want to make yourself a nice healthy meal, or you're going to stop on the way home and get some McDonald's or some other fast food that is going to, you know, be quick and easy and you can devour it down and go to sleep. So, um, we drove our parents crazy with that record on repeat. Uh, that's awesome. I appreciate it. I don't, I don't think I know many other people who love Alan Sherman. So it's awesome that, that you uh, love him right along with me. Um, so anyway, so the, the, the costs of eating food um, is, is just one of the societal issues Again, I'm the type of guy who 90% of the time I'm happy about stuff and I don't worry about my thighs or the stuff that I'm not happy about has nothing to do with my thighs. Um, you know, there are plenty of things that do get me upset. You've heard me rant about the whole schooling issue that we've gone through. We do have somewhat good news on that topic. Um, but again, it's more stress. You know, my, you know, going from job to job to job and not finding someplace where I could just find as a home and just be there for the rest of my career. That's stressful. But let, let's talk about some of the other societal issues uh, that um, larger people have to deal with that maybe you don't think about, or maybe you only think about when you are inconvenienced uh, by uh, the fat person. Uh, when we, we, I have family in Baltimore. Um, I now have family in Georgia and we like to go to Disney World. <laughs> Obviously, budgeteers. I have lots of, you know, I have lots of Disney World stories. Um, so I could fly all those places. Now, part of it is I have, you know, my wife, my two sons. That's expensive. That's an expensive cost to go flying somewhere. Um, now, it's time-consuming to drive to Maryland, 18 hours. Um, it, we used to do it in one shot. Uh, because we're, we're crazy like that. Uh, but we take turns, take naps, whatever. Um, and we recently decided that we're just going to do two trips. But then my mom went ahead and moved to, uh, to Georgia, and that made it easier. I drive to Georgia one day, spend half of Thanksgiving break in Georgia, and then spend half of Thanksgiving break in Maryland. Um, so, but it's expensive to fly, so we don't fly. But it's also, I'm not in a hurry to go fly anywhere because those seats are not made for fat people. Um, when I've flown before, I often, if, if you can choose, like if it's not Southwest, um, and you can choose your seats, I often pay extra to try and get the window seat. And it's not because I enjoy the view. Uh, me having the window seat allows me to try and squish myself up against the wall. So I'm squishing myself up against the wall as much as possible uh, so that I am not a burden on anybody else that I'm flying next to. Well, I was miserable one time because I had to sit in the middle seat, and I'm just sitting there, like, trying to suck in and just don't make yourself a burden on everybody else. Just keep your hands like this for the two hours until you get to the next location or whatever. It was miserable. 
Um, we did fly to California in 2019 because we wanted to try Disneyland instead of Disney World. And to its credit, Southwest Airlines does have methods that not only do they offer the extender seatbelt, um, but they also um, offer, you know, they, they'll give you a little paper that you put on your seat next to you that basically says you can't sit here. They will give you that seat next to you for free if you are an oversized, if you're a larger size person, if you're going to be uncomfortable and if people around you are going to be comfortable, they allow you that second option, um, that second seat option. And they also have the extenders. Um, the extenders used to really be hit or miss for me when I went to Mexico uh, for a previous job. Uh, two out of the four legs of the trip, I needed the extender, and two out of the four trips, I did not need the extender. Um, I probably would have needed the extender. If I had to do the same thing now, I probably would need the extender for all four legs because I'm bigger now than I was then. But, um, you know, South, so Southwest, to its credit, does is made it more comfortable for me to fly. But still, it's embarrassing to be like, excuse me, fat man here, can I have the extender? Um, I'll try and catch the stewardess on the way in, uh, the flight attendant. I'll try and catch a flight attendant on the way in. Um, be like, can I get the extender? You know, but again, if, if you don't, if you don't manage to do that, if they're busy, I don't want to interrupt them when they're busy. So I have to sit here and be like, excuse me, fat guy here. I need the extender because I'm fat. Hey, everybody, fat guy here. You know, that sort of thing. Um, amusement parks. It can be, uh, let's see. Hold on. Splitting the bill. My fat friend, fat Nick, I may be fat, but it's fat with a pH was always assumed to have ordered the most and would have to pick up the remainder with some groups of friends. Um, let's see. Amusement parks. Um, one of the reasons I like to go to Disney, other than the fact that my family just enjoys Disney, we, we just enjoy the parks in and of themselves, Disney relatively has historically done a very good job. Like we went, we, Halfway to Maryland is um, Knoxville, Tennessee, which is very close to Gatlinburg, which is where Dollywood is. So um, when my son was, I think, maybe a little over a year old, maybe, I think, um, or maybe just 10 months old, I don't don't remember, but we met uh, my mom and my stepdad up, and we went to Dollywood for part of the the day or whatever. And and some of the – it was very weird um, where – um, you know, I get on a ride and, and the ride says, um, you, you, if you are too obese or too tall, you may not be able to ride this ride. Uh, the, the, uh, the restraint has to click at least once in order for you to be restrained. But the line was short. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And it was one of those generic loop-the-loop roller coasters where you start off, you go up, ribbon, you do a corkscrew, you do another loop, and then it's it's very, very simple, standard cookie-cutter, nothing special roller coaster. Um, So it's a short line. So I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot, and if I don't fit, I don't fit. I haven't wasted a lot of time trying to ride a ride. I get down, I sit down in the thing, I reach up for the restraints, and I'm like, click, 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 click. Must have been like eight clicks. And I'm like, how fat do you have to be to not be able to ride this ride? So yeah, I enjoyed myself. I, it was fun. Get off, 
Yay, I can fit on the ride. There was a wooden roller coaster. Now, wooden roller coasters, I've been on wooden roller coasters where there's no lap restraint. It's just a bar in front of you. But typically, when it's a lap restraint. It just comes down over your lap, and it is, it's just pushed on there. But this lap restraint was like, if you're watching on YouTube, this is a good thing why I can use YouTube. So, like, normally, like, the bars might be, like, that big that comes around you. So, if you pull down like this, this one was, like, this thick, and I could not get it down. It was ridiculous. So, I was a regular non-looping wooden roller coaster that I couldn't fit on because the restraint was made so ridiculously difficult to get on for people that were larger size and they had no other options uh, for me to sit. There was no other option for a, for a seat. Um, and then there was one other ride where they sometimes rides will have sample seats in front of the ride. So you can go sit in the sample seat. Of course, it's good because if there's a long line, you're not wasting your time waiting on a long line for a ride that you're not going to be able to ride on. But the other problem with that is, you know, you're now trying to try and fit in this seat in front of everybody to determine whether or not you're fat enough or not or thin enough to ride the ride. Um, so, and that happened a couple of times at that Dollywood. So it was hit or miss with the Dollywood ride. Disney World, for a long time, it was never hit or miss. They came out with a brand new roller coaster. We got on. It was a little tight around the legs. Um, but even the newer roller coasters that, that were there, it wasn't a problem. My size never was a problem. I could always fit on every single ride that I wanted to go on when it came to Disney. Um, the Cali River Rapids was the one where I maybe had to suck in a bunch in order to get the seatbelt to quick, but then I was fine. Um, it's just, you know, you, you want to be somewhat restrained on the rapids, but there's no loops or anything. You're just not, you want to make sure that you don't get bumped around. But every single ride was fine. Until they came out with this ride called Flights of Passage. Um, where this was a weird concoction of some sort of seat where you had to lean forward and to pull it back and push it up against your back, push it up against your legs. It was so, and they did not make it in a way that was very fat-friendly at all. But I was half expecting it because I'd heard the horror stories. And I pretty much knew that if we got there early, so we didn't have to wait in a huge line. I think we made it about a half an hour, 45 minutes for this ride, which wasn't bad at all. Um, there were times when I've been to Disney World with Flights of Passage where the line was literally four and a half hours long. So the only waiting a half an hour to get up was the passage. That's awesome. Uh, so we get there, we get on the ride. I'm sucking in. I'm trying to get, nope, I don't fit. Um, and I expected it. So the, the pain of that, um, oh, I remembered something else. The shirt story. Um, the Pain, the pain of not being able to fit in the ride was expected, so it didn't really hurt me all that much. Plus, I knew that when I didn't fit on that ride, that they would give my entire family a fast pass to be able to go on another ride that we couldn't get a fast pass for anyway. So I was able to use my weight for my advantage, my advantage to be able to you know, get another ride where I hadn't gotten been able to get the fast pass for. Fine. So, yay, I was able to, I was able to use that. Um, but... They're coming out with another ride. It's a Tron ride where it's going to be very similar. Um, I don't know if it's exactly the same, but the seats are very similar to Flight of Passage. But apparently, from what I've heard, there is also a back seat that doesn't use the same sort of restraint. It's just a regular bench seat instead of a bike seat where you're not sitting on the bike, so you don't get the full riding of Tron bike experience. But you still get to ride the ride and see the ride without. So it's possible that that might be good. But I was a little bit disappointed that Disney didn't make a, 
option for flights of passage for larger, larger people. It's one of the reasons I don't go to other amusement parks because I'm never sure if those amusement parks are going to be good. <coughs> excuse me, if they're going to be good for people my size. Um, I have heard things about um, Universal that some they will have some seats that do fit larger people better, like a specifically larger seat made specifically for people who can't fit the normal seats. Why they can't make all the seats that way? I don't know why. Um, here's another example that I just thought of this one again, uh, but it was an example at Disney World where it, it got me. I actually broke down in tears crying over this. Um, and it was actually one of the examples where um, my wife proved her badassery, that, that she proved that, you know, I'm often the person that speaks up, that is loud, defend my family, and will, and will deal with the, the crap. But when Mama Bear comes out, don't get in her way. She will go off. Um, so we're at the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween party, I believe, or maybe we weren't going to the Mickey's Halloween Not So Scary Halloween party. One of the things about Disney World is that many of their shirts are not made to go larger than 3X. This lovely shirt is larger than that, and thank you, Demodox, for being able to get a shirt that fits me. It fits wonderfully. Thank you. Um, but many of the shirts don't go higher than 3X. Many of the shirts don't even go higher than 2X. Some don't even go as high as 1X. Um, but there's always like the year shirt, like where you can be like, I went to Disney World 2011. So I have a Disney shirt that says I went to Tony and that was available in my size. Disney World 2012. So I have shirts with 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. I have shirt, years, a lot of shirts for the years. I could probably go to Disney World for a week and only wear shirts that I wore that I got those years. And those are go up to 5X. So that's fine. But there was a, a Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party shirt that was out that was 5X, and I asked to buy it. And the person goes, that's for Pathhold. That, that's, that's for Disney Vacation Club members only. And I'm like, okay, well, that's annoying. It's not marked like that. Um, and then – and my kids were with me, but my wife had gone off to do something else. I don't remember what my wife went off to go do. Maybe she was getting ice cream for the kids while I was trying to get the shirt or whatever. Um, so, and then, like, this, it, that there just happened to be some Disney Vacation Club members at the thing saying, oh, we'll help you buy it. Okay. So they're like, well, you can use our card, oh, but you have to pay. I couldn't use my card. I had to pay. I had to. They had to pay it for me because of their card. I couldn't use their card to pay. I had, so I got so frustrated at this woman, at this employee, because she was being such a hard ass about it. And, and she was really not only just annoying about it, she was mean about it as well. Because, and, and it was just so frustrating because I can hardly find shirts that fit. This is a shirt that is not your standard year shirt that I could potentially fit in. And not only are you not letting me to do it, you're mean to do it. And so I went over and I sat, I, I gave up. I, 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 I don't know if I cursed or not, 
but I, I, I probably held in the curse because I, I tend to have a filter at Disney World. Um, I stormed off. I went and sat down. My wife found me. She's like, what's wrong? I couldn't even talk because every time I tried to talk, I was like <laughs> crying. And my oldest son explained what happened, and she went over there, and she went off. And turns out she was wrong. It wasn't for vacation club members only. Uh, the managers that she went and asked for the manager, she went Karen for, in a good way, wound up getting the shirt for me for free because the, the, part, the managers were so upset that I was so upset about that. But then it turned out they had the same shirt in the regular store that was available for anybody to buy. And I'm just like, Really? But again, it, as I said, it's very rare that I get upset or frustrated over my weight when it comes to those sort of things. But this is an example of just, whew, I was just, it, it, everything just came out. I had like two sodas in my hands. And again, I bought two sodas because I was so thirsty and I was so overheated and I was so upset that I had two cups of soda. And I'm just like downing two sodas as raw. And it took me drinking two sodas to be able to, you know, I'm not only feeding my depression about this with this sugary carb filled goodness, which is not good for me at all. Um, you know, so tons of calories just going in my body, self-medicating the whole, the whole thing. Now, maybe it still would have been fine if it was just water, but you know, two cups. Um, let's see. Let's see. I don't know the legal aspect, but what you're describing sounds a lot like disability accommodations. Is obesity, is obesity considered a disability or something that requires protected rights? I think it's hit or miss. I think that you can have a disability. I think it's more than just the weight. Like, that's another thing to talk about. I love the fact that as we're talking about these things, more things are coming out. Um, this is going to be part of the medical things. Uh, weight loss surgery and size not being enough to cover. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. We will get to that about the whole. But basically, I think I, my understanding of it is I'm not a lawyer, and maybe I don't understand it as well as I could, but I think that if you have, you have to, it has to be more than just being overweight. You have to have your weight has to cause another issue or two issues. Your weight, so it's not like if I'm, if I'm overweight, but I can get around without a scooter or I can get around without a, a, you know, a walker or something. If I can get around with my, on my own, then it's not, I don't think it's considered a disability. Um, but if there, I got to the point where there's a disability, then there would be ADA things, but I don't think the ADA considers and we can search that real quick um does ada consider obesity a disability yeah so obesity and not alone is not a disability under the ada without and this is my this is my understanding and it seems to be correct without evidence of an underlying physiological disorder or condition extreme obesity is not an impairment under the americans with disability act according to the seventh circuit court of appeals and there are people who are trying to fight that that i'm aware of for several reasons including one that i was reminded of that i will bring up in my medical discussion but yeah it, obesity by in and of itself is not considered a an impairment or a, or a disability in and of itself. 
Um, you know, trying to get the Voltron shirts the second I hit filter for shirt size above 3X, the vendor options dropped to almost nothing and none of the high quality ones were available. And that's something I deal with a lot. And, and I'll get to this, I'll get to the closing thing as well. But that's some of, that's also something that I deal with a lot of times. Um, uh, on a human rights level, the airplane seats and such should be accommodated, being the world shouldn't be restricted because the company doesn't accommodate. Um, let's see. I bring the Demonox brings up. I bring up because all of the branded options disappeared, like they don't want their logo associated with larger people. I don't know if it's that. Um, I just don't know. Even though there's the, the size of society that is getting bigger is getting bigger. <laughs> so so you, the, the amount of obese people is, is growing. <laughs> obese people are growing. They're becoming more and more obese people. They're becoming more and more obese. And those people, the amount of people that are doing it are becoming more and more as well. Um, so I think it's because maybe it's not enough, not enough money in there to, to make, to mass produce that many 5XLT, 6XLT. There are some clothing companies that will. And maybe that's why that maybe that and we'll get to that in a second too. Um, let's see. Your wife is amazing. Total badass. Yes, she is. Um, Disney is so stressful. I mean, I enjoy Disney and part of, you know, I kind of view the planning of a Disney vacation as a game in and of itself that I'm trying to win. Like I, I, like I, I came into the bedroom one time, I started doing this little dance and uh, my wife told me like, what are you doing? I was like, I got fast passes to the ride I wanted to get on, or I made dining reservations at the place you really wanted to go to, and to be able to make the perfect plan for your Disney trip and, 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 and successfully achieve that plan. It, it's like you won the game. So the obese body is still a body, so to restrict access based on the body. Yes, I agree with you. Restricting access based on the body. Actually, clothing was the next thing on the thing that I was going to speak about. So, um, when it comes to clothing in the entire New Orleans area, I mean, I used like I remember we were on my first drive to Baltimore with Cassie, my wife. Um, we were driving up to uh, let's see, we were driving up to uh, Baltimore to visit my mom in the hospital. She was having thyroid issues, so she had a surgery, had to get it removed, and it was touch and go there for a second. And fortunately, she survived, and that was. 2006 when that happened and now it's 2021 so clearly she's alive and well um but again one of the reasons i knew my wife i knew my wife was catch before that but she offered to drive me up you know and i was like you didn't have to do that but thank you uh for doing that with me for me um and so but our car broke down a lot her car broke down along the way ironically she had a saturn view and it broke down in Chattanooga. And so we had to kill four hours while they replaced her transmission. Um, very weird to be on the highway all of a sudden to hit the gas and it's like, and, and nothing happens. And I was able to use enough of my momentum to get off the highway and be able to pull off into a parking lot, get a tow to a Saturn dealership. Again, Chattanooga is where lots of Saturn, where Saturns were made. So we were very fortunate. We were also very fortunate because the car was 50 miles under the warranty. So she was still under warranty when that happened. So it was replaced for free. Um, we just had to kill for hours. So at that time, I, I was not as big as I am now. And I could, there was, I could, three XLTs, if I could find a three, some, some stores had four XLTs, 
four XLs, whatever. Um, I could find some clothes in somewhere. So we're we're walking around and looking and killing some time at the mall. And the woman comes up to me in Dillard's, I think it was, and she was like, "Excuse me, sir, the big and tall section is over there." And we're walking off, and I look at Cassie, and I'm like, "She must have thought I was tall." <laughs> oh, again, self-deprecating humor, you know, whatever. Obviously, she looked at me and saw a big fat guy, and I was like, "You want to go look over here?" And I'm, I think I might have found a shirt or two at that time. But nowadays, with the size that I am currently, there is only one store that I can go to in person to find suits, to find clothing. It's called Destination XL. Uh, it used to be called Casual Mail. Um, one store, and not just is there a one store, but even that store, you know, there's a lot more options at 1X and 2X and 3X. Once you start getting up to like 5X and 6X, the, the options go down. You don't get as many of the super, you know, name brand stuff. You get more of the Destination XL, Harbor Bay brand, generic looking, you know, polo shirts or, or T-shirts. So, <coughs> excuse me. So there's that. Um, so there's one in-person store. Um, there's another store um, that I buy, have bought some stuff from online as well, um, especially when there's some sales. Um, I managed to find a Twitter, like a person that was doing business on my Twitter, and I got a shirt from them to kind of try out. It was they're fine, but they didn't have a lot of options. There was very few options. And then there's like a Winston box where it's like a, a clothing of the month club where they send you random clothing, and you can decide, okay, I really want um, – you know, more casual stuff. I want more formal stuff. You can choose what kind of clothes they send you, but it's random. And a lot of the stuff they've sent me is good too. Um, there's only a few stuff that I have from them that I'm like, like there's one shirt that's like a giant black stripe and then a yellow stripe and then another black stripe. And I'm like, I look like an extremely fat bumblebee in this shirt. And usually a black shirt's slimming. I usually like wearing black shirts, but I mean, how slimming can you get my size? But anyway, um, but there's very few options. And I think part of that is to explain why Demonox, um were having a, a let's see, there was, I did, I did find, what's the name of the, I don't, was it a men's, I don't think it was a men's warehouse, but it was another one of those suit type stores. And I think it was, I was going up for my, for a funeral. Maybe it was a funeral, maybe it was something else. I don't know, but I had to find a suit. And the entire store, huge store, had one suit that fit me. Just one. Just one. Everything else didn't fit. One suit fit me. Um, it was terrible. Um, but, yeah, I think there's so much specialization, I guess. There are certain stores that do specialize in clothes for larger people that that's why many, maybe many of the other shirt manufacturers don't bother because they know that all of the all of the larger size people are going to go to that to those stores that are already in existence, which means they have a lot lot less options. And I know for women, and I'm speaking from a man's perspective here, but for women, they have their other stressors as well when it comes to that. Like just how things are different. Like a two X and a women's size is like a four X, or a four X and a women's size is like a two X and a men's size. So it might be hard to find a four X, but you can find the two X. Um, I haven't lived that, so I can't talk about it as much as I maybe should be able to. Um, but, yeah, so the clothing options, you know, I think a lot of places – and I think it's an economics thing where I think that there are people who are like, well, 
why am I going to spend money producing larger size shirts, 5XL, 6XL, when other people are already doing it, and so therefore the amount of money that I'm going to make buying these shirts are less. It, it gets to the point where like, sometimes I'll see these ads for shirts on Facebook. They'd be like, hey, it's a, you, know, you can get this shirt, and it's a, it's a, it's a cool little design. Like, there was one where it was, it was a stitch with like, holding a BB-8, and then there's another one where it's stitch with a Jane from Firefly hat. Like, you know, and Stitch is my favorite character, but the other, and, and I love Firefly, and I love Star Wars. So, um, And the reason I bought them specifically was because they had 5XL shirts. I, I went out of my way to make the purchase to support them, even though I didn't need necessarily need, need the shirts. They were cute, but I bought them specifically because I wanted to support the store that offered those shirts. So that, that's kind of where that goes. I'm trying to – let's see – Sins. I've definitely gotten men's clothing for more comfy, better quality sweatshirts and such. They're more available. Yeah. And a lot of that happens to be, and, and I think one of the points I was trying to make to one of my friends and female friends who, you know, women friends who happens to be also a larger size. And we were having some really bad communication on this topic, which I don't sometimes sort of feel comfortable explaining it. But one of my things that I was, was they were trying to say like, well, we can fit in your four X in your four XL, but it's only a two X you know, what, why, or we can have a 4XL, it's only a 2XL for us. And I'm like, well, it might just be a body size, like a height issue. Like maybe they see the average woman is this height, average male is this height. So therefore, you know, we're going to make a shirt for you that's going to be a 4XL to you. But if somebody was a man with your same, I guess, ratio of, of measurements, then that might be the 4XL for the, ma- for the men but it still might be a 2XL for you, but you can fit into a 2XL for, I don't know, 4XL for you, same man, different height with the same proportions would also be a 4XL, but they call it a 2XL for you as a woman. I don't know. So we were having some difficulties getting that explanation across, and I just kind of said, look, I'm going to have to put a pin in this conversation because I'm getting a little bit worked up about it, and I don't want to get worked up about it because I don't want to argue about this. We're both dealing with many of the same issues. So... Um, vehicles. Let's talk about vehicles for a second. I used to do one of the things I used to do um, is a recruit for a ride sharing company, um, and so which would mean that I would take rides with the other ride sharing company and be like, you know, okay, you know, let me get you to ride. Do you ride? For, do you drive for this other company too? Cool. I'm gonna get you to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I want to sign you up. That was one of my jobs when I was doing rideshare was that. Um, so, but sometimes I'd get in the backseat of the car and the seatbelt just would not fit. So I basically like put the seatbelt over my shoulders and just kind of hold it there, knowing it was doing me no good at all because I, and I, the ride that I was taking was short, but it was doing me no good at all. It just, you know, so that PP take a look at, oh, he's wearing a seatbelt, but it wasn't because it couldn't fit because I was too big to fit in the seatbelt because many cars are not made for individuals of my size, and I don't have readily available a car seatbelt extender. Um, you know, systemic issues that are beyond some of those things as well. Um, medicine. It's very hard to find a doctor that treats people's size as a symptom of other health problems and not a cause of other health problems. That's one of the things is that, is that even that definition of obesity and disability, you can't count size as a disability 
in and of itself. It has to be the cause of something else. But a lot of times obesity isn't the cause. Obesity is the symptom of what's going on. And it's very hard. You know, a lot of times you'll too many, you know, if you talk to many overweight people, the default response to many health problems that they have is, well, you just need to lose weight and everything else will sort itself out. Now, I, I will tell you that when I lost 40 pounds last year, my A1C did go down. But it, I think that's correlation. I don't think that's causation. The correlation, the co- it wasn't I got skinnier and or I got less fat, uh, and therefore I, my A1C went down. It's I was eating better, therefore my A1C went down. I also was eating better, therefore my weight went down. So the cause of the A1C dropping was not my losing weight, but it was it was because I was eating better and eating less sugar. Um, so the cause of my weight going down was because I was eating better. So it, it, it wasn't the fact that I lost weight that was the issue. But tip, even with, before the A1C was just a little bit elevated, it wasn't a lot, but um, the rest of my blood work has always really been really good. Um, I wasn't pre when I when I got that blood test, I wasn't pre-diabetic. My blood pressure has always been amazing. Like I've had nurses, another thing, I've had nurses take my blood pressure, see that it was like 117 over 74, look at me, and then go, let me take that again just to be sure. I mean, are you doubting your abilities as a nurse to properly take blood pressure, or you're just assuming that because I'm overweight. I can't have this good of a blood pressure. My blood pressure has always been good. It's, it's ridiculous how good my blood – and I'll get looks. And sometimes I'll get the look from the nurse and I'll be like, I get that look a lot because that's just how my blood pressure is. And all my scores are, are, are pretty much where they should be. I'm just fat. <laughs> that's just – I'm fat. And, and, you know, it causes maybe some pain on my joints. It, you know, it causes me to not be able to run. It causes me to sweat a lot more than I do already. Um, but I'm just fat. It, it, there's nothing else necessarily in and of itself. Um, see, I was having some problems with, uh, I was concerned about some reactions. I had a friend of mine that had, that was also a, a larger woman. Uh, she had, her doctor found some clots. I was having some similar symptoms to what she was having, and I was concerned. So I also went to the doctor to be like, hey, let's check this out too. Um, I barely fit in the MRI machine. I mean, it was difficult. You can't touch the sides of it. So I was like, again, squeezing in as much as I could, staying completely still, barely breathing. I am barely breathing. I can't find a way, you know, what other other lyrics. Um don't suppose, don't suppose it's worth the price that I pay. Anyway, um, there are horror, more horror stories that you could read online about how people were so embarrassed with their medical care, with, you know, they didn't fit to go get the mammogram, the machines won't fit them, or the doctors didn't have good bedside manner, that people will just avoid going to the doctor to, to even for routine checkups. There was one story I found where uh, someone was ignored getting a mammogram for 14 years despite two of her friends getting breast cancer because she was just so concerned that she didn't want to have to deal with a, a doctor that was going to judge her for her size instead of treat her for the condition that she does have and not try and view that um, as the issue. Um, hey, Kiwi. Very, very happy to see you on the, on the uh, watching the podcast as well. Awesome to have you joining me. Um, I don't know how much you've watched, but I do appreciate you joining as well. Uh, Daily News. 
Daily News. I think that is bringing a boy. Uh, welcome. I don't know how long you've been listening as well. Um, let's see. A very good definition. Obesity is usually a symptom, but healthcare is trying to fix the symptoms, not the source. Yes. Um, there's more. Uh, it was Chris Rock who says the cure is not in the cure. The cure is in the treat or the, the profits in the treatment. That's what it is. Uh, bringing a boy is in the chat as well. So Demonox, if everybody hasn't seen, Demonox in the chat has made these shirts for us. Uh, I guess wherever we do Voltron, we have two thirds of Voltron because you have Demonox in the uh, Demonox in the chat, and we're missing Yosh. Yosh. Damn right. Anyway, um, one thing I I can't I cannot believe cannot believe when I was prop pre- preparing for this show that I didn't include weight loss surgery in this because weight loss surgery is one of those that Louisiana <laughs> bringing a boy of course goes hey big Dan thank you for that that's another weird thing like like I find that as a large man walking down the street in the streets of New Orleans that um, like I'm more often to be more friendly greeted uh, by people who happen to be black than people who happen to be white. Like, I mean, like somebody, somebody will, uh, you know, black, white, white, by say, Hey, big man, how's it going? And I'll be like, Hey, how's it going? Good to you. And they're just friendly, nice. And I don't feel that they're calling me big man is, uh, is like insulting me. It's not like the run fat boy run from the sorority girl. It, it's just like, Hey, big man, how's it going? And just being friendly. Like, and maybe I give off friendly vibes. I don't know. And maybe that's it. But I don't feel like like I don't I don't feel like it's that level of, level of judgmental judgmental issues that are going on. Well, maybe there's just the fact that you know there are a lot of health issues in the black community, and they realize, oh, this guy might be struggling a little bit. Maybe he could use a pick me up a cheer. I'm going to say, hey, big guy, and it'll make him feel better. And a lot of times it does bring a smile to my face. Um, but anyway, I was looking into weight loss surgery, and and this. All right, so talking to my doctor, and we were talking about the options, and we'll get to the the plan that he gave me, but one of the things that he gave was you can consider weight loss surgery, gastric sleeve, gastric bypass, what have you. Um, and so with the weight loss surgery, um, it's not covered by insurance in Louisiana unless you have two additional complications above and beyond your weight that would make it so that you need to get the weight loss surgery. So what does that mean? If I would have high blood pressure and diabetes, they could then say we need to apply for an exception for you to cover it because you have to cover this because you're not treating the obesity you're now treating the diabetes and the high blood pressure by helping him lose weight. So, again, we had this conversation on Facebook where talking with my hands, as you see, talking with my hands all over the place. So, and I'm really not Italian at all, which Demonox says he talks with his hands because he's Italian. I'm not Italian. Um, I'm European mostly, but I'm not European and Caucasian, literally from the Caucasus region. Um, 100% cracker, but not any Italian in my, in my, in my, in my, and it doesn't explain why I'm so handsy with my talk. Maybe, maybe it's a Jewish thing. I don't know. Um, so I'm looking at this weight loss surgery. 
So I find like the place in Tijuana. There's like a couple of places in Tijuana that do it and that do it. You know, a lot of times people will go medical tourism is a thing. Like there's a meme that was going around where, you know, I have to get this procedure done. I could either spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it here in America, or I could go live in, you know, Spain for six months and get it done for much cheaply and enjoy some vacation time in Spain and it'll be much cheaper for me. So medical tourism is a thing. There are people, there are people who do travel to get cheaper procedures done. So I'm looking into it. I literally, I had the date set. I, I was, I was getting to the point where I was just ready to book the plane ticket. Like it was that close. I was that close to getting it done. Um, But I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my post procedure diet. I'm sitting there at the dinner table and I'm looking at what I can eat and what I can't eat and for how long I can't eat those things. And already knowing that I use, um, I use uh, food to compensate and to self-medicate, already knowing that I, that I use food to, you know, even if I'm not depressed that it still makes me feel better. Um, and uh, oh, bringing a boy, come on. Demonox makes a good point. Bringing a boy says, what do you want, Joe, taxpayer, to pay for your weight loss? Perfect. And he goes, easy up on the matzo balls. I don't usually have lots of matzo balls, um, maybe two. But Demonox, I'd rather pay for Dan's weight loss than put Bezos into space unless it's a one-way trip. <laughs> ah, that's a good one. <clears throat> anyway, um, so I get, I was, and I, and I wasn't going to have them pay. I was going to be paying for this out of pocket. I was going to be, I had the money to do it, paying for it out of pocket. But I was reading this list of food that I could eat. And I was, so I just started having a panic attack at the table. I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't know if I can do this. I mean, I was, tears were coming from my, I could not take it. I could, I, I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, and I was also, and the other part that concerned me was it wasn't just the food thing, after, but the food thing made me have a nervous breakdown. But it wasn't just the food thing that made me just say, just say, no, I'm not doing the weight loss surgery in Mexico, was that I looked into my health insurance plan. And so not only does my health insurance not cover the um, procedure, if there are any complications from that procedure – they don't cover that either. Now, there is part of the plan that you pay for, part of the thing that you pay for when you pay for the all-inclusive thing where you get like a hotel room for a couple of days to, for, you, for you to sit there and enjoy your view on the beach. I guess, well, my wife could have gone swam on the beach and I got to sit in the room, but whatever. Um, you, got the view, you got the view on the beach. You have your nurses that come take care of you. You have all, you know, they provide you with, with, with the care that you need for those days that you're there. They travel you back and forth to the airport. Uh, you fly in and out of, I think, San Diego. Uh, the other thing that they cover is if there's any complications for the first year, they cover it. They cover the treatment. But what happens 367 days later, assuming no leap year, or assuming a leap year, 366 days after assuming no leap year? What happens at that point? If the insurance company deems that you, you're, 
issue is because of a complication pertaining to your weight loss surgery that was not covered, then they won't cover that procedure either. Now, what do we think, boys and girls, ladies, or what do we, I should think of a better one than boys and girls because, again, that's not very – now, let's, we need to stop using boys and girls. What do you think, everybody, distinguished listeners of the Liberal Dan Radio podcast? That's a good one. What do you think, distinguished listeners of the Liberal Dan Radio podcast? Do we believe that a, an insurance company would be honest and legitimate and upfront and say, hey, this, this procedure, we know you had this weight loss procedure, and we don't believe that this weight loss, that this issue that you're having right now is not pertaining to that. So we're going to go ahead and cover it. Or do we believe that they will say, oh, you had this weight loss procedure that's not covered. We're going to try and stick every single medical problem that you have as a complication of that procedure so we don't have to cover it. I think we all know what the answer of that, answer to that will be. Um, that, and the answer is number two, that they will always find a way to try and deny the coverage if they can. Which, so we already had the nervous breakdown dealing with the weight loss, potential weight loss surgery, and, and would I be able to handle the diet that I would be, would be required to eat for the first, like, two months or three months after the surgery? I don't know if I would have been able to. I know people who did it and were fine, but if there was a complication... And the way I look at things, I'm always concerned that I'm making the wrong decision in my life. And I was concerned that I'm going to make the wrong decision here. I'm going to go to the wrong place. And I'm going to um, – and then this – going to Mexico, what if it's shady? I mean, there are some good reviews, but what if it's shady? What if I get complications and I can't get it treated and then I'm suffering for the rest of my life because I'm now in medical debt out the earballs? Out the earballs. Good word. Um out the eyeballs. And so my father had also offered, to his credit, he said, I would rather you get the procedure done in, like, in America, so I will cover the difference. He goes, I will pay you, whatever you would have paid to have it done in Mexico, I will cover the difference, and, you, and we'll, we'll make sure that you don't have to pay any more in a pocket than you, pay, than you would have to pay just so we can get it done in America. But again, it's a not covered surgery, so even if it was done in America, if there was a complication, which my sometimes, I guess, down on myself ass would think that there was always going to be a complication that was going to happen, um, my mom, I would still have to pay out of pocket for any other procedure that would happen because of this procedure. And I would have to deal with the insurance companies from now through the end of my life, or at least until we get single-payer health care, Medicare for all. Um, which again, I'm not holding my breath on that either. Um, but until we got that, there would be I, I, would, I would risk being in um, extreme medical debt um, over and over and over again. So, what else? What else can we talk about when it comes to society and whatever? So, there's also the, we, we've talked a little bit with fat shaming. Uh, so we talked a little bit about uh, dealing with. Uh, fat shaming. There's also skinny shaming. Here's the thing. I had a thread that came up in my memories the other day, and it was discussing, you know, fat shaming. And I don't remember what, what caused me to bring up the whole fat shaming thing. But, you know, somebody were, was bringing up that skinny shaming is a thing, too. Um, and I was trying very hard to be empathetic 
to the people who also suffered from the skinny shaming, even though a lot of the skinny, skinny shamers were coming off uh, as like the all lives matter crowd. Like I'm sitting here talking about my issue pertaining to my weight and obesity. And they're like, well, skinny shaming sucks too. Like, Hey, I understand that. And I agree with you and nobody should be shamed at all for their body size, whatever their body size is. Um, but it's different. It's skinny shaming to me is also much different. I mean, you look at the labels that people use uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, obesity versus being overly skinny. Uh, somebody who is skinny uh, might be labeled to be, you know, dealing with or suffering with anorexia. So anorexia is the condition that causes them to be skinny. Now, some people might say, oh, that person is anorexic, whatever. Uh, but again, the anorexia in and of itself causes them to be skinny. Um, it's the eating disorder in and of itself. People who are overweight um, are called morbidly obese. And I understand that this is a technical term. And maybe I shouldn't be concerned about the use of a technical term because it's just a technical term, right? But the sound of it is just morbidly obese. This person is morbidly obese. It's morbid. Oh, oh, oh. it's more. Do my java. It's morbidly obese. It, it, it just sounds like, you know, it, it sounds like you, it's, it sounds insulting. There's, there should be another word for it, maybe, that could be used that doesn't sound as terrible as morbidly obese. And even when you use the BMI, the BMI is already in and of itself failed. It, it's a bad measure when it comes to a lot of people. If you, I don't know if you remember Mark McGuire from, uh, you know, the o- Oakland Athletics, St. Louis Cardinals. Um, he was, according to the BMI, his BMI was too high technically, but his arms and legs were tree trunks. I mean, it was just <clears throat> muscle. So BMI wasn't a good designated, wasn't a good thing for him um, to be to accurately display whether or not he was healthy or not. But like, I, I find like, um, I, I think that it, it's. It, it, there's this feeling that, you know, morbidly obese, which is, oh, that person is just a lazy, fat person. That person is lazy. That person does, if, if you just walked around more, what, what is the, well, I think one of the very popular, um, oh, what's her face? The really, one of the really horrible, you know, radio people, Dr. Laura, I think, would say what you need to do is you, in order to lose weight, you need to eat less and move around more. And that's, that's the typical, if you're, if you're, you're being lazy, you're eating too much and you're not moving around as much as you should. And it's very, very well possible that I might not be moving around as much as I should. And that's fine. But, but it's all, that is often an oversimplification. Um, And and Sadie says correctly says skinny shaming still comes from that place of you gross me out because I'm not attracted to you. And that person's value is framed only in that view. And yes, absolutely. That is absolutely. I agree with you on that. Dr. Laura was great. What happened to, to stop her from being great? Did I not realize that she died? I don't know. Did she die? I don't know. Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Dr. Laura also gave some very bad advice one time, I remember, where um, I think somebody called in and just talked about another form of body shaming. Uh, this person called in, and he was suffering with a very small penis. And he was wondering if there's anything that he could do with to deal to have to deal with this 
tiny penis of his. And she said, well, there are procedures that you can get that might add two or three inches to your size or two inches to your size. You would still only have three and a half inches. Now, what kind of doctor says that? That's just terrible. Terrible bedside manner. Um, again, everybody, fat people fat shame. They, they might not even know the reason behind it. Everyone is assumed to be fat because they're lazy or make bad decisions. And I'll, I'll say maybe some of my size comes from being lazy and maybe some of my size comes from bad decisions. Um, but there are many issues that can cause you uh, to be overweight. Uh, I, I told you earlier, my mom was in the hospital because she had to get her thyroid removed. They were going to move part of it. They eventually just removed all of it, and things went poorly. Fortunately, she survived. But my mom's always also been an overweight person. Um, she's been up and down and fluctuated. Um, but she has no thyroid now and has to take medicine to replace what the thyroid used to do. Um, and therefore, she has to fight uh, with that. So people with poorly functioning thyroids, it can be very difficult for them to lose weight and very easy for them to gain it. These people are not lazy. These people are not... Um, making bad decisions. These people have a medical condition that make it more difficult to lose weight and easier to gain it. They um, say, since I don't see much point with one worse than the other, hold dehumanizing as a person based on body is the issue, but one is more accepted than the other. And that's the thing. You know, that's part of, part of it is that being skinny is more accepted than being fat. There is also, if you're skinny, you can likely find the clothes that you need to find. You can likely fit into all the places where you need to fit. So the so it's it sucks to be to be shamed for your body size. Um, it sucks to be. I I don't want people to be skinny shamed. I don't want that to happen to people. Um, but the amount of issues that overweight people have to deal with, and I don't even overweight should be the issue. It should be the label. But maybe that's a bad label. I don't know. But the amount that overweight people have to deal with is just so much more than what skinny people have to deal with or the, the extremely skinny people have to deal with when they're skinny shamed. That, that's why I think it's different or that's why I think that it's potentially worse because there are more systemic issues that make it harder for a larger person to no, – anorexic people deal with health issues. It's very unhealthy to be anorexic. You need to you know, eat properly that way too, and they can deal with medical issues, and that could be very – and the, the same issues that deal with the cause of anorexia can cause being overweight. And look, we need a, we need a, there are a lot of psychological issues that need to be dealt with, and that's fine, and, and we have to deal with that. And we should – again, we have to understand that it doesn't come from simply the fact that they're skinny. There are things that are causing them to be that we have to be able to deal with those, and many of those things can be psychological. I'm just saying that at the end of the day – there's so much more that fat people have to deal with that it, it just makes it sometimes annoying that when I'm trying to talk about the whole fat shaming thing and, and dealing with life as a fat guy and dealing with fat shaming that people have to go like skinny shaming too. Like, okay, I get it. And it's wrong. Um, people dealing with diabetes uh, can end up snacking to avoid hypoglycemia or low blood sugar. And sometimes that, if you do that, if you don't have your insulin right, if you don't have your your uh, levels proper, you properly set up, properly managed with medicine, um, especially because medicine is so expensive to deal with diabetes in this country. Um, let's see. Um, oh, bringing a boy about Dr. Laura. 
Uh, we love, we the people loved when she said what was on our, what was on her mind, or she said what was on our mind. I, I get that, and that's why you voted for Trump too. Um, but that's not always a good thing, especially if you're a doctor trying to give it medical advice. Um, anyway, steroid treatments to deal with other issues can make you think that you're hungrier than you are, or that you should be, and it can help add on the pounds as well. So let's say you're dealing with a with a treatment. Um, and you don't, you're, you're dealing with, you're getting steroid treatments to do with something else that is legally prescribed. It's not illegal steroids, like doing it for weightlifting or whatever. They're legally prescribed steroid treatments and they're, and that can cause you to be hungrier and add on pounds. Um, people who are tired, stressed, or generally in a bad mood can also deal, start with weight gain. And then here's the thing, one of the things, so, so let's say you eat cause you're depressed but you're depressed because of your weight. So now you've eaten more because you're depressed. So now you've gained more weight, you become more depressed, then you use the food to, it's, it's a self-fulfilling, it's a vicious cycle. It just keeps going. You're more fat, so you eat more because you're more depressed, and then you're more fat. So you then eat more because you're more depressed. Lather, rinse, repeat. But here, here's one thing that I learned about. When I was used to work for, uh, the Louisiana, Louisiana, Louisiana Public Health Institute, one of my former employers. Now, I didn't do work in the public health sector. I was just working for them as a software developer. I was kind of a, I was doing support stuff for them. I was working in the background, but I would still, I would be in, you know, the meetings, and we would, dis- they would discuss lots of different topics. And every month, somebody would have a topic to discuss. So a way for us to learn about health issues. And one of the things that this person brought up um, was basically this research study um, at the Karolinska Institute in Sweden. Um, And it showed that childhood abuse can lead to an increased risk of obesity. So that's one of the things I like to point out the most is that the person that you are, if I'm pointing at you, most of you watching right now wouldn't do it, but you, if you are a person who would mock somebody for being obese, the person you're mocking or shaming for obesity could be very well dealing with issues pertaining to past childhood traumas that are clearly not their fault. Some women who were abused as children viewed putting on weight as a way to make them less attractive so they won't be victimized again. So that's a purposeful action being done by a victim of childhood trauma or potentially childhood. It doesn't necessarily have to be rape, but it could very well be. Um, But these are people making a conscious decision. I'm going to eat more so I'm no longer attractive to the person, to my abusers. So therefore, I'll be less likely to be abused. And look, one day, let me, let me talk about this. It wasn't in her childhood, but one day, like, I, I, we drove home to the apartment building that we were living in at the time. I ran in to go call uh, somebody that I was interested in at the time, leaving my mom out by the car. She, I, was, I was just about to say to the person in the car, I need to go check on my mom. She's taking too long. And right when that happened, my mom came back in, came inside, said, Dan, you need to get off the phone. I was just mugged. Okay. So, and I, so I realized something was wrong, but it was too late. And my mom was worried that I would come out to check on her while she was getting mugged. 
But here's the thing about what happened with my mom. She was overweight. All this other person victims were not overweight. They, he raped everyone, every other one of them. They didn't, he didn't rape her, but they raped the other one. So she was like, because I was overweight, I was able to avoid getting raped. And a lot of people will say that rape is only about power. And there was a lot of – clearly, people are using power when they rape people, but clearly this person was only raping people that he was attracted to. And he wasn't attracted to my mom, so she didn't get raped. She only got bugged. Um, guy went to jail many times over, read lots, found guilty of every single – every single crime that he committed. Um, but again, so there's something to be said, I guess, of that the, these women probably are thinking from a logical point of view that if they put on weight, that they would no longer be seen as attractive uh, to their victimizers and they won't be victimized again. Um, but it's not just something that, you know, but even, even when if it's not them specifically doing it so that they're less attractive, many people who are dealing with these childhood traumas, according to these studies, um, are chasing comfort and happiness in the form of food. The CDC says that more than 6 million obese and uh, morbidly obese people are likely to have suffered, suffered physical, sexual, and or verbal abuse during childhood. And all of these people are chasing comfort and happiness. They're... they're they, they don't, they lack the ability to get that, like they miss the positive reinforcements that they might have gotten as a child otherwise. They miss that. They don't, they aren't able, so they aren't able to find those highs that way. Those, those I guess, dopamine levels or whatever might cause your brain to, to accept, you know, happiness. So instead of, of doing it, instead of getting it the normal way, they chase, again, that comfort and happiness. They get it from food, which is why I said earlier on, you know, you know, that potentially you know, that's, that's something a lot of people deal with. And, and I've said before, I, it's not just about dealing with depression. I get euphoria from, you know, the food sometimes. Sometimes the food is, is, the, is a way that I can find happiness. Um, and, and also, trying to lose weight is another – so stress already – we already said that stress um, can increase your chances to becoming overweight. Um, let's see, Demonox says, human brain is active and creates patterns of behavior as well as psychological dependencies. Carbs are dopamine-releasing foods that act as active feel-good foods, so it becomes a mental association and addiction. Exactly. Um, Sinead O'Connor shaved her head to look, avoid looking attractive to the predators in her industry. Again, so it's very, again, it's another example of a valid reason why somebody might make that conscious decision um, to put on weights or to, do, to change something about their looks so therefore they're not victimized. Um, I'm just, you know, so, so those people have valid reasons for doing so, and they're valid in their actions, and, and they're, they're making the conscious decision. But a lot of people are eating, and it's not a conscious decision, too. It's, it's something that's that's they're using the food to, to replace those issues or to deal with those issues that it's subconscious. It's not something that they're actively thinking of doing. Um, maybe the lizard brain thing. I don't know. Um, I know a lot of people who have this correlation of trauma and high weight. Yes. And there's a lot of people who have the correlation between childhood trauma and high weight. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. 
Um, so again, trying to lose weight is also a form of stress uh, because diets often make you miss out on those things that you do like. So, so when you're on a, quote, diet, okay, um, like Atkins, Atkins wants you to eliminate carbs. And it's not zero carbs. You start off with 20 carbs uh, per day. Um, and, and then you kind of, as you, you, you know, you, you get to your point where you're in ketosis, that's how Atkins works. You get, you, you get to the point where two, three weeks of, of 20 carbs a week, um, limiting carbs to just like salads and stuff like that and very other things. You can slowly add some sort of berries in there, some sort of nuts in there as you're increasing your carbs by five carbs a day. But you're missing out on all of these foods that you generally would want to eat. And if, if, you're, in a, if you're the person, if you're, if you're, you know, you're stereotypical, you know, oh, he's just fat and lazy, therefore. No, but if you're the type of person that attributes a certain type of food with joy, and now you're stopping yourself from having that joy because you can no longer have the food that brought you joy, then you're denying yourself what you like, and it's going to make it that much harder for you to stick to the plan. You're going to have those cravings. Now, interesting story. I love soda. I love Coke. Interesting story. One of the times I was trying Atkins, I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable because I, ha- I wanted a Coke so bad, and I knew I couldn't have it, and diet soda didn't do it. Diet soda was not going to make me feel better. I, it had to be a Coke, and I just needed it so bad, and I was, and I was trying to be so good. I had a dream that I drank a big glass of Coke. And I enjoyed, I savored every second of that Coke in my dream. I woke up. I was no longer craving Coke. Weird, huh? I was, my, my mind was able to trick itself. That I was, since, I, since I was able to taste the Coke and have the, the dr- sensation in my dream, it was done. Now, I don't know how to, if we could do that in our dreams, like if we could just have, be able to utilize our minds that way and be able to have, to, to deal with all of the things that we're craving in our dreams, so therefore it doesn't affect our reality, that would be wonderful. But I've only ever been able to use my dreams productively like three times in my life. That soda example where I stopped my craving one time and then two other times when I was doing programming and I was doing a programming assignment, one in school, one for work, and I couldn't figure out the problem in conscious, consciously, I solved the problem in my dream. I wrote the code in my dream and then I went immediately when I woke up to go write the code in real life, and it worked. And which, as a side note, it makes you wonder, you know, was here, – here's the, the, the ooh type of thought when it comes to that. Did I just solve the problem logically in my head and say, well, this has to work. This is my new idea. Let's try it and see if it works. Or here's, did, my, did I program my brain to figure it out? Did my brain actually work like a computer and actually spit out the right data and know because I wrote that code, it actually, it actually did the code in and of itself. My, the operating system of my brain was like, boom, these are the answers. It's giving you the answers. That's how you know it works. I don't know. That, that, that's very metaphysical and maybe a little too metaphysical for the topic. But anyway, back to the thing. So, so diets, one of the problems with diets is that diets are often sold to people but, but, again, those diets don't work. They diet, and then they stop the diet, and then they gain uh, 
they gain all the weight back because they stop the diet because again they, they've you've not changed how you eat you've just dieting for a little bit you you you, you don't you don't you're, you're missing out on those things you're not getting the joy from the things in your diet so therefore you're bound to, to mess up you're bound to do that and you know but diets aren't concerned about that diets are concerned about they they want to if, if you fail at a diet it's to a diet it's not because the diet's wrong. It's not because the diet is the idea of dieting is flawed in and of itself. It's you that failed. You failed the diet according to the diet. If you don't do Atkins right, you failed Atkins. You it's not the problem with Atkins, it's the problem with you. So what does that do? That makes you feel more stressed. That makes you feel more depressed. Why? Because the problem is not Atkins. The problem is you, according to them at least. So therefore, you're going to be more depressed, and then you're going to eat more comfort foods, and then it's going to be another cycle again. So you can't diet and hope to effectively lose weight. You have to change your mindset. You have to change how you eat. You have to understand how what you're putting into your body affects you. You have to understand how, you know, like a lot of times if you're full, well, how do you get full? And then how do you get full while not denying yourself the things that you want to eat? So, you, so the, the plan that my doctor came up with, or he, he gave, I don't know if he came up with it in and of itself, or if he just gave it to me, was simply just count calories. Doesn't matter what you eat. Just don't go over X calories. And it was very gradually done. Um, it was so like he told me to uh, the first week. So starting on a Sunday. That first week, all I was supposed to do, not, don't change anything about what I eat. Eat like I normally would eat, but count every single thing, every single calorie that I ate. And then you, you add up all of the calories from that entire week, and then you divide it by seven. And that's your average daily caloric intake, right? So now I know what I eat on an average day. So, But, I mean, some days I went under, some days I went over. So the next week... The plan was don't go over that average. So whatever my average was, I don't go over that. So doesn't matter how hungry I am, don't go over this. So whatever the cal- calories was, I think at the time I might have been like 3,300 calories a day. That's a lot of calories. Uh, or maybe it was 3,400. So 3,400 was my average. So then that week, I didn't go over 3,400 in a a singular day. So then the next week, I reduced my daily caloric intake by 50. So instead of 3,400 a day, I went to 3,350 a day for the next seven days. So each day, you know, I had to find ways to to make my calories a little bit less. And then the next week, another 50, 50 off. Next one, another 50 off. Next week another 50 off. Um, so right now, I mean, I did, again, I hopped off the wagon. I didn't restart doing that whole thing again. I restarted back at like 2,500, I want to say, and I'm down at 2,350 a day again. So I've lost over the last three weeks, I lost 21 pounds and I've done it by reducing my, by starting at 2,500 a day. Cause I know I was already down there already and I knew I could do it. And then I went to 2,400, 2,450, 2,400, and I'm at 2,350 this week. Next week I'll be at 2,300. 
Um, and then I'm going to stop at 2100 because that's the target that they want to do. Um, bringing boys 3400 a day. Wow, that's pine box level. Well, obviously it wasn't because I was still walking around, still alive. Um, but one of the things that I've learned, just that that because you can hear things all day long about eat more salads, eat more this, eat less that, eat more of this, eat less of that. Um, but you can hear something all day long. People can tell you things so you're blue in the face, but you have to believe it in order for you to be able to implement it. So like I've made decisions like, you know, do I want to have these four Reese's peanut butter cups that are 400 total calories uh, as a snack to finish off my day? Or do I want to have this giant salad with lots of spinach and, and tomatoes and cucumbers and maybe a couple of croutons, some dressing doesn't have to be low carb, low calorie, but I, but maybe I'll have a 400 calorie salad and that 400 calorie salad is going to be a big bowl, like this big, like a huge bowl. So it's going to fill me and it's going to keep me full much better than those four Reese's. Are the four Reese's wonderful? Yeah. Can I choose to have the Reese's as a treat every once in a while? Yes, and if I max out my calories for a day because I splurged on some Reese's or I had me a cup of Coke or I decided to, you know, instead of eating my hummus with uh, carrots and um, cucumber, I, instead, I then have it with some pita instead, which is higher. Bread is higher. Bread, bread and oil are the bane of my existence when it comes to, when it comes to counting calories because those just are often packed with so much calories. Um, now, fortunately, my wife has gluten, eats gluten-free uh, because she has celiac. So a lot of the times the meals that we have are gluten-free and a lot of the gluten-free options do tend to have, tend to have less calories, which is helpful. So I get, to, I get the benefit of that. And we've learned how to make things and how to prepare things that are gluten-free that are tasty. Uh, so you don't have to suffer with the whole idea of like, you know, I don't know. I think John Panette uh, was the comedian that says, I don't know what gluten is, but I know what it is. I know it's delicious. That's what he would say. But we've found very good tasting gluten-free foods. And we've found how to prepare very good tasting gluten. We made a gluten-free, we used a gluten-free pie, pie crust this other week and made quiche. And the quiche was delicious. Now it was packed with calories. So like, you know, a wedge of this quiche was like 700 like this, this big, this, this much quiche is 750 calories. This thick, this much quiche, 750 calories. Yeah, I could have a huge salad for that much, but it was a very tasty quiche. And uh, it, was, it was something that I could enjoy. And it was, had bacon in it, eggs, had ham, um, had some spinach, cheese, lots of stuff. Um, but again, you know, I could enjoy myself. You know, sometimes I'll make the decision, okay, I have 400 calories left. Do I want, the, again, four Reese's peanut butter cups, or do I want the big bag of popcorn? Go for the big bag of popcorn. It's going to be more filling. It's not going to be as, it's not, there's, so there's no sugar, and it's going to be much more, much easier for me to be able to, to count those calories. And I'm going to enjoy popcorn, so it's not that I'm missing, I don't feel like I'm missing out on something uh, because of that. Now, microwave popcorn is easy, but if you pop it yourself and add your own butter, it's even better. It's even better calorie-wise. So it's even easier to count the calories if you do it that way. 
So, but but it, but it it you could tell me again all day long till you're blue in the face. Oh, Dan, just eat more salads because that'll make you feel feel more full. Until you witness it and see it and see how it helps you, and be like, okay, well, I'm really hungry, but I'm only having I only have enough calories. Oh, we I didn't even see that we had a caller on the line. Um, so we will go to the caller on the line, and I think this is our friends from the West Coast. How are you doing tonight? Hello. 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 Sorry about hey. that. Hey, that's okay. Hello. <laughs> uh, see, my, my, one of the things is that um, I'm like the camera's up here, and last time I kind of watched myself, you know, after the show, doing the show, and I had my notes down on my lower screen, and I kept on looking like this down to my notes, and it didn't look good mm-hmm. for the for the for the YouTube stream. So I have my notes up here, right by the camera, so I can read the notes, and it looks like I'm looking towards the camera. But now I'm not looking at the dashboard, so I didn't see your call till just now. So I don't know how long you've been waiting. But um, so what's up? How are you doing? Oh, not long. Do you hear an echo? I do not hear an echo. Okay, how echo. about now? Echo, echo, okay. echo. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I then did hear an echo just then when I was doing the echo, echo, echo. So I was trying to troll you, and then I got trolled myself. So what's up? Hello. Did I lose you? Bring a boy. Uh, uh, oh, my mouse is dead now. Congratulations too. on um, on being able to enjoy life and still um, be able to, you know, work towards your goal. Yeah. I, I got myself a long way to had go. a battle there with, you know, being overweight. Um, not a whole lot, but enough. <laughs> And pretty much did what you did with the calories, except for I didn't count the calories. I just basically ate every two hours uh-huh. and didn't deny myself. So, you know, eat like I would normally, but um, it would just be every two hours in smaller portions. So if I felt like having cookies like your Reese's, I would have two. Um, if I felt like having potato chips, it would be a cup full. But it would be every two hours. So every two hours I would, eat, you know, have two cookies or and then next time, you know, something else, an apple with some peanut butter or something else. And then my main meals would basically be uh, lunch. And so and I ended up losing weight. I had green tea in the morning and drank water with lemon uh, throughout the day and, you know, had right. soda occasionally and iced tea occasionally. But um yeah, and so, you know, over, I guess it was about six months uh, when I started noticing it. And so, and that was this year. So I've got to go shopping for some clothes, some new clothes that will fit. Now, I, guess, <laughs> I still have a bunch of the clothes that I had that don't fit right now under the hopes that one day I might be able to fit in them again. Uh, so, you know, one of the shirts that I want to wear, like the homestarrunner.com, had, I have a strong bad shirt. I think it's a 2X. I can't wait for the day where I can wear my strong bad shirt again. I'll be very, that'll be, that's kind of like my goal. Like even though two X might be still, still seen as big to some people, if I can fit in my strong bad shirt, I'm going to be very happy. I have a Tron door shirt too, which is also the same, same website. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, those, if I could wear those shirts again, I'm going to be very, very happy with myself. And, you know, um, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while for that to happen, but uh, you know, it's, but one of the things that I've, you know, kind of, in my notes still is that I know what works and I know what doesn't work, but sometimes I still circle back to if I get depressed and, and I have to fight that urge to binge 
when I get depressed. I have to fight that urge to, 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 to have to keep that, you know, goal mm-hmm. set and, 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 you know, and maybe, and, and also I have to not beat myself up if there's a day where I'm like, I'm just going to pick out today. You know, if I, if I do happen to binge, I can't beat myself up about it. I have to be like, okay, do it. Just go start back again tomorrow and try to do it again for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, part of the times, you know, with the depression, I think our society does deal with uh, depression very poorly. Um, a lot of times people don't think that um, depression and is a real issue. Uh, look back at the Olympics. We saw that with the Olympics, uh, with, with you know, Simone Biles, and where, you know, she was having a mental issue that was keeping her from performing. And a lot of people were mocking her, you know, including a little bit your husband, um, <laughs> that, you know, she gave up, uh, you know, she quit on America. But, you know, she, her issue that, that she knew that if she went on that, you know, those apparatuses, apparati, apparatus, whatever the plural of it is, if she went on mm-hmm. that apparatus, that she was potentially putting herself in harm's way because she could potentially hurt herself permanently if she was if she were to lose uh get the twisties as they say or just lose her sort of thing because she's too distracted because she's dealing with her mental issues and mm-hmm. it, it was good that she was able to come forward with it um it's good that then other people came forward and like michael phelps says i dealt with that all the time of course michael phelps isn't putting himself in a situation where he's risking you know breaking his neck if he if he you know, if he do, if he doesn't make the turn properly or something, or if he or if he does the freestyle wrong, then you know he's just going to lose. He's not going to um, he's not going to risk permanent injury most likely. Um, mm-hmm. I guess if he gets distracted and just swims himself into the wall, maybe, but most likely that's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think a lot of times we do have to deal with these with these issues, and we have to I think change how we operate as a country when it as, as a, especially in our health system with how we view people who are overweight because it's not just there i'm sure there are many people who do just you know slack off or who do you know just eat too much and don't and and and, and could potentially the answer could just be hey if you ate less and move around more you might be able to you know lose the pounds that you put on uh, but there are other people that have legitimate either trauma from childhood or have other medical issues that are the cause of the weight instead of the weight being the cause of the problems. And so not only do we have to allow for, you know, a better, if we had better mental health in this country, we, these people who, people who have dealt with childhood traumas would might, might be able to have more like a better likelihood of coming out of that without having the extreme levels of obesity is again, was it according to the CDC, 6 million obese and morbidly obese people uh, are likely to have suffered physical, sexual, and or verbal abuse during childhood. Maybe if we had better mental health systems and better treatments for those people that they, maybe they'd be less likely to then grow up and be overweight adults. Um, And maybe if we had a a more compassionate or more holistic uh, medical system that allowed us to um, view not always view obesity as the cause, but may see obesity as a symptom of other things, um, which some doctors do to their credit. My doctor does that. Our family doctor does that to his credit. 
and I'm very unlikely to try and find a different doctor because he's such a good doctor. He has horrible staff working for him, but he himself is such a good doctor that we don't want to, we would never want to leave him because we would, we don't feel we would find everybody else that we trust uh, with our, with our health, with our, with our medical issues, because he knows that it's not always simply the fat driving the medical issues, that it's sometimes it's the medical issues driving the obesity. And you have to, if you deal with those medical issues first, the obesity might then take care of itself. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add? Um, no, I agree with uh, a lot of what you were saying. And the only thing that I would might add is that, uh, you know, the fast food industry doesn't help. You know, it's cheap food and you get what you pay for. And so, yeah. you know, while we try and regulate um, the different oils that people or, you know, establishments use or anything else, um, it's still fast food. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so fast food, just, fast food should be a treat. Encouraging. What's that? Yeah, fast food should be a treat, and fast food should not be a – should be the thing you eat every day. But, again, it's – a lot of times it's cheaper and you get what you pay for. A lot of times it's cheaper than buying, you know, the nice healthy food. As we said earlier, I don't know if you missed earlier in the show, but we were talking about how fresh food is often more expensive than fast food. Um, it's more time consuming. A lot of people, if you're working two jobs, you might not feel that you have the time or the energy to want to deal with um, making a fresh meal. So you, you might feel that the option, the better option is to just, on your way home, you know, pick your family up some McDonald's and then that's easier. You don't have to deal with anything else. You don't have to deal with doing dishes. You just throw everything away and you're done. Um, so, you know, so there's a lot of reasons as to why is how we might fix that. Um, you know, do we make it so that food that is healthier is, is more affordable? How do we, do we subsidize that? Do we not subsidize that? Do we make it so that people don't have to work two jobs, therefore they have the time by making their payment? There's a whole lot of systemic issues that deal with poverty that I'm not necessarily wanting to bring up too much today. Um, well, yes and would... no. I mean, if we think about education, you know, when I was in school, constantly we were it was drilled into our heads as far as the different food groups, you know, and what you should be eating, you know, to be healthy. And they'd have like a pyramid showing the different food groups and stuff like that. And then, you know, as you move in through middle school and high school, you know, you have elective classes that you can take, which is in addition to your normal studies. And, you know, it would be home ec, so you would learn how to cook. And you would also introduce those food groups so that you can still eat healthy and not have it cost you an arm and a leg because it is true that it can be very expensive to, um, to cook at home with fresh food. But then again, if you know how to use the ingredients that are fresh and good for you um, to make a meal and make it stretch, um, you know, the, these are things that we can educate or that need to be educate, um, you know, people, society, beginning in school, like it used to be. And, yes, it is easier when to just stop and get fast food, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, on occasion. Um, right. But it shouldn't, like, shouldn't be a, a regular go-to type thing. You have to change the mindset as far as that goes. Um, it may be easier just to stop and get, you know, fast food, but then you got to think, all right, now i got to stand in line or park in line in the drive-through or whatever, and you may not get the order right, and, you know, sometimes they drop your meat <laughs> and slap <laughs> well, it right back on the you never want to drop your meat. 
Oh my! Yeah. Uh, no, I actually have a very, I actually have a very funny story about a fast food getting your order wrong. Um, time for some humor for the show. Um, I went to uh, one time when I was with my, my ex girlfriend. Um, we decided to pick up some Wendy's on the way home, and so we are okay. We, we go and we get the order from the Wendy's, and, and it's a burger, fries, and for my ex, a sour cream and chives baked potato. Um, so we get home and the, the food was terrible. The, the, the burgers were cold. The fries were stale. It was, everything was terrible. And there was no sour cream for the sour cream and chives baked potato. Uh, so I call up and I complain and they're like, well, you can, can you come back? I'm like, I really don't feel like coming back today. So we'll put your order up on the board, come back tomorrow, reorder it, and we'll be happy to replace it for you. No problem. Okay. So I did that the next day, went in, drove through the drive through line at Wendy's and put my order in. Um, got home. The burgers were much more fresh. I think they made sure to make the burgers more fresh. Then the fries were fresh out the fryer. I think they were trying to, you know, go over the top to make it a fresher meal, uh, not from a you know quality standpoint. But, but well, from a from a it wasn't. I wasn't going to be complaining about a cold burger this time. It was everything was nice and fresh. However, there was still no sour cream for my sour cream and chive baked potato. So I call up again and I say, look, I must be a member of your uh, frequent complainer group uh, because uh, the food was much better this time, except I still got no sour cream for my sour cream and chive baked potato. Now, I would have been happy if they would have just said, well, next time you come through, we'll replace your potato. They offered to replace the whole meal yet again. So I'm like, all right, fine. So we went back another day shortly thereafter, and I said, hey, I'm the guy that is getting his meal replaced. I gave the full order again, including the sour cream and chives baked potato. I drove up to the window, and I get the bag of food, and I get the drinks, and I look up to the woman at the window, and I'm like, excuse me, could I please have a couple of extra sour creams for my sour cream and chives baked potato? And she's like, sure, baby, no problem. She gives me a handful, a big handful of sour cream. And I'm driving off. I'm proud of myself. I'm so happy. I now have all the sour cream in the world. I get home, no potato. There was no potato. So I tried to outsmart them, and they outdumbed me. I've never been back to that Wendy's since. So if I ever had a stand-up oh routine, if I ever do a stand-up routine or have or made a stand-up album, the name of the album would just be No Potato. And and <laughs> that would be one of my stories that I tell is that I is my by dealing with Wendy's and how I could not get a sour cream and chive baked potato correctly ordered. So yeah, oh they will constantly they, they, you know you you will often hear complaints about the fact that they don't, you know, make the food right. And then of course there's the argument of oh why do they deserve a higher wage if they're not going to get the food right? Well, maybe they get the orders right and care more about their jobs if they got paid more of a living wage. So, but again, that's probably another topic for another show. Let's go over some of the uh, some of the other questions or comments in the chat. Uh, the YouTube channel, let's see. Uh, dream therapy, if it leads to more sleep, I'm in. Is about my being effective with my dreams. Um, Demodox, I find Atkins a general view too extreme for carbs. Carb reduction is important, especially for a diet with diabetes, but blood sugar was good on 100 to 150 carbs a day. The point with Atkins, to deal with that comment, is that they're saying that you don't effectively lose weight if you don't teach your body to burn fat. 
So if you don't teach your body to burn the fat that you're eating, um, then you're not going to be burning the fat in your body. So that's why you want to get your body into what they call ketosis, because they want you to train your body to burn the fat for energy and not burn the carbs for energy. And that's why they have you be so extreme with it. And there are problems with the extremity. I'm not trying to defend Atkins, but that's just their mindset. That's their point of view as to why the scientific reason as to why they're saying that you want to get so low on your carbs because you want to teach your body to burn fat. Now, one of the things, if you watch Adam Ruins Everything, I find Adam, sometimes I find his voice to be grating, and so I don't necessarily like listen to it a lot, but he did a show on, he's done some, several episodes that are really good, one of which dealing with like um, the Myers-Briggs scales and how it's a crock of crap. Um, one of them dealing with, one of them dealt with the whole thing where the reason why we view fats as being so bad for you is because the sugar industry basically was like, hey, doctors, tell everybody that fats are bad and sugars are good. So therefore, you're gonna, your people are going to stop eating fats and want to eat all of our sugars instead. And so, and you'll have low fat, they'll sell foods that are low fat. But how do they replace the fat in the food? With more sugar. So it's not good for you because you're still getting more sugar instead of being low fat. Some fat is good. There are fats that are good for you. There are fats that you should eat, like olive oil. I mean, you shouldn't eat too much of it, but fats can be a good thing for your system. Should like omega-3 fatty acids. You want to have some of that. Those omega-3s in you. So, so there's been food, big food has worked to, to harm the American health because they've put into our minds that certain things are bad for you when they're not and that certain things aren't bad for you when they are. Um, let's see. If I was looking at my carbs and realizing all the junk food is making my normal day four to 500 carbs, um, blood sugar would be good to 100, 150 carbs a day. The diets are failing to address the underlying psychological and physiological aspects of weight gain and hunger to begin with, symptom versus source as well. Uh, Sadie student says, well done. I'm not sure what you said well done for, So, but thank you. Um, let's see. Awareness is more important. Whatever technique helps a person uh, change their overall habit is more important than doing Ashkins or Weight Watchers properly. Exactly. There are some people for whom Weight Watchers works well. Why? Um, Weight Watchers has the point system, which is kind of, I think, similar to um, what I'm doing, except I'm not labeling it with points, I'm just using the actual calories in and of themselves. Um, uh, but yeah, if it works for you, great. You know, awesome. If, if Atkins works for you, I'm sure Atkins works for a lot of people. And if they stick with it, it's a problem sticking with it. And so if, if your problem, let's say some, some person's problem might be, I eat too much fatty foods. And it's not, if the problems aren't carbs, then Atkins is going to be perfect for you. But if you like bread, if you like Coke, if you like, you know, other things with some sugar in it, then, then, then you're probably going to fail at Atkins because you're going to miss that stuff too much. Unless you can find a suitable replacement for that stuff with other stuff that are also going to make you feel good. But again, if you've trained your, if your mind has trained you to find joy in specific foods, then you're not going to be able to get that same endorphin level, that same, you know, mental high that you get from eating those foods that you've now trained yourself to think these foods make me feel good to make me deal with these past traumas. Maybe that if you've had those past traumas, these foods make me make these foods make that subconsciously go away and your mind's going to keep wanting those foods. Unless you can trick your mind into wanting the other foods to help you with those traumas, you're going to have a hard time sticking to those so-called diets. Um, Demodox says, Ahoy Skipper, we are heading to a three hour show. 
a three-hour show. We are heading to – I had a feeling that we would likely be hitting the three-hour mark this show because I figured there would be a lot of stuff to be talked about. There would be questions that would be asked, and there would be things that I forgot to put in my notes. So there's that. Um, normalization of food for profit instead of actually seeing its value as a good for nourishment has led to these distortions of food, fillers instead of food. Again, yeah, that is a good point. You know, how much should we be profit? I mean, I mean there, there are probably people who are of a more conservative mindset who always think that profit motives are a good thing. Um, but, and sometimes they are, I'm not going to say that they're not always, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes profits, quests for profits lead people to lead bad decisions, lead people to, okay, I'm going to make this food. I can either make this food healthier or I can make it cheaper. So if I make it cheaper, then I'm going to make more money off of it. And if I make it cheaper, maybe I'm putting more fillers in it. Maybe I'm putting more other stuff in there that's not fresh and natural and it's not stuff that's going to help you with your you know, weight journey. Maybe it's stuff that's going to pack on the calories and make you fatter. Um, but I'm going to make more money from it, so therefore it's, it's good for the bottom line. It's good for the shareholder, but it's not necessarily good for the consumer or the eater. Um, Demonox says quality of education is tied heavily into poverty. So, yes, if you, if you live in poorer school districts, uh, you might be less likely to have you know, the education that you need to have when it comes to those uh, issues pertaining to how to know about, you know, science and the science of food. And, you know, I think we have often moved away from having a home economics type of class. Um, and maybe that should be replaced for everybody. Everybody should be able to do that. Um, let's see, fats are essential for brain functioning, which might help explain a lot of things. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Daily News. It's Dan show. He knows what's up. Overtime on BTR. Yes, we are on, you know, it's not necessarily overtime, or I still have 22 minutes left in the show to be able to talk about things. Um, 47th rule of acquisition. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. There's also empty calories or empty calories that are sugar, you know, like you could have a glass of wine. There's no fat in it. It's got empty calories, so they burn to hang on you like soda sugar, (laughs) you know, that type of thing. I mean, people think that if they think they drink diet soda, (laughs) <laughs> then it's going that that's that's a good thing because you know it doesn't have any sugar in it or it, but it's not the sugar it's a the carb carbonated water the carbonated water has sodium in it the sodium is what makes you gain weight and so right <laughs> that, that that is also a very good point that you brought up it's, it's something that I did not bring up and didn't have in my notes there is a myth that diet soda is good for you it's not <laughs> it's the diet soda is, is some people say, well, diet soda is even worse for you than a regular soda. I mean, I mean, I happen to find um, a, a certain company that I that I that I purchase items from. Um, I often talk about on Facebook on my Facebook page that I've reduced my Walmart footprint by buying items from these from this store. And I've been buying products from this online place for like over six years now, I think, maybe even more. And part of the part of the things that I buy for this company are this these it's a lot of sugar free drinks that are not carbonated and they taste really good and have no again no sugar in them so it makes it a lot easier to deal with my weight loss because it's a sweet drink but it's not a carbonated drink so therefore it it it, it helps with helps me make the dieting easier. Um, however, a lot of people are turned off by the company because it is set up like an MLM. Um, but I never really try. I don't care about the MLM. I do have one person who has enrolled under me in like this entire time. That person also buys the goods because they like the goods. They don't necessarily 
want to make a million off of this off of, off of this thing. But would I love to be able to have that residual income? Fine, but I'll keep buying these products even if I don't make money from it. So there you go. <laughs> I like how Daily News mm-hmm. is giving you Bravo, as if we don't know who Daily News is uh, <laughs> on YouTube. Um, but yeah, so that's a good, another good point. There, it's one of those other it's one of those other myths that exists in our system, in our food system. There's so many myths that people believe that are correct about food that are not really correct, that it hurts people when they're trying to lose weight because they believe something could be true and it won't be true. And I'm going to put you on, on mute for a second because I am getting feedback now from my, uh, from my uh, voice. I'm hearing my voice over the radio, so I'm putting you back on mute. Say hello in chat or say something in chat if you want to come back on. But I mean, but yeah, these are all of the issues um, that somebody like myself, uh, let's see, wine, wine works by making insulin secrete faster for a short amount of time, lowering glucose levels while sugary drinks don't get the same insulin boost. Yeah, and wine also has some other, I think the tannins or whatever in wine help, whatever. They say it's good to have a glass of wine. Of course, some other people say, well, it's bad to have a glass of wine. And then they'll, they'll you know, there's always going to be somebody who is wanting to be contrary. There's always going to be somebody out there when it comes to anything health-related wise that is going to want to be contrary to what the popular opinion is or what the consensus is, uh, whether or not they're right or not, because they know that they're going to get a, a chunk of the population that is going to be like, yeah, that sounds good. We want to try this different thing because it's not the main thing that everybody else wants. And that's one of the reasons why we're having problems with the pandemic as of right now, because there are people who do believe uh, these other alternative type of treatments that are that are not really based in the consent, general consensus of what. Now look, and I say general consensus. I'm not trying to say that the majority should rule, but you know, if there was like 55% of scientists saying one thing or experts in a field saying one thing, and then another 45 were saying something that was contrary, I might be like, you know what? There's so many people thinking the one way that. Maybe we can't necessarily say that there's a consensus, even though a majority says yes. <clears throat> but if it's like 85-15, then that's a consensus, or maybe even higher than that. Maybe 90-10, 95-5, those type of things. So, you know, a lot of the things in a lot of the things that are in medicine today, be it while dealing with COVID, you know, while dealing with, you know, is this is ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine a good option or not some people you know there's a, if there are liberals who are also saying that that there was a possible good things then maybe i might be more than willing to to accept those things but no people are saying no why would you it, it just doesn't science can be counterintuitive like um you know if you put if you have two equal ice cube trays so they're made of the same substance and you put warm water in one and you put cold water in the other and you put both in the freezer, you might very well think that the cold one would freeze faster than the warm one. But that's not always the case. Though there can be warm temperatures that will actually get to freezing and actually turn into a solid ice cube before the cooler water. And that's counterintuitive to how your brain might work. Your brain would be like, well, how does that happen? There's a good scientific reasoning for it for, for it happening, but it does happen, and it's counterintuitive to what to what we generally might think. Um, now, 
So why would, you know, something that's given to cows to treat like, you know, worms or given the, or given as a topical treatment to treat scabies, why would that have anything, ivermectin, uh, why would that have any effect on COVID, on a virus? Don't know. Some doctors say that it works, but most doctors say it's a bad idea, especially taking it by yourself. That's one of the biggest things, taking it by yourself. Uh, without a doctor's prescription is typically a bad idea. That's how people died uh, by taking um, the other, what was that other one that was like in fish? It's like, it was, I think it was hydroxychloroquine, but people were taking like chloroquine that you use to clean fish tanks. And two, a couple died because they took the chloroquine from the fish tank thinking that it was going to help save them from the, from the COVID pandemic. So people, so people will believe a lot of things that some snake oil salesmen want to believe them. So people, and people who are struggling to, to bring this back to weight loss, people who are struggling with their weight, people who have had lifelong struggles with their weight, based on the fact that we as a society don't treat weight loss as we should, we don't treat the issues pertaining to why you're overweight as we should, we treat weight as the uh, cause and not the symptom of lots of conditions. Um, these people who are overweight tend to be frustrated, tend to be upset, and tend to want to find that magic cure. You know, that the thing that's going to work when all other things that they've tried so far have not worked. They're gonna they're gonna be more susceptible to those outside. So they might be more susceptible to taking. Uh, a pill that they might think is magic. Now, can supplements help? Absolutely. I, I take some supplements that I feel do help, um, and, I, and I think I'm, and I think they help for other reasons, not necessarily for the weight loss in and of itself, um, but help with like, in like one of the things that I take is like an anti-inflammatory that's not like a, uh, a, a aspirin or a Tylenol or an Advil. It's it's another another company that's done via an MLM type of thing. But again, the, the product, I like the products, they work for me. So I don't care that I'm not making money off of them because they work for me and it is what it is. Oh, wait, no, that's, that's not my line. That's not my line. And my mouse is not plugged in, so I can't do it. But I'm sorry. I stuff it is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Um, oh, uh, let's see. I think it's time for, uh, let's take a, a quick break. Let's just play Liberal Dan Chopper City again because I like hearing it. Weird dog down here in Liberal Dance Chopper City. We got some steals on Harley Davidson's today. Turns out holding circus wasn't that bright of an idea. But while festival goers pass away, we're passing on the savings to you. All our Harleys come freshly sanitized for your riding comfort. And while supplies last, we're throwing in some antibacterial gel and a 12-pack of two-ply, just in case the stores run out again. So come on down to Liberal Dance Chopper City and get you a hog today. Liberal Band Chopper City is a fictional establishment, and we don't know what the death toll of Sturgis will be. Anyway, so I had to play it again because I love it. I, I, I feel very proud of that. I, I, on the list of, of things that I've produced for the radio show, for the podcast, uh, maybe that's in the top five of things that I've produced. Maybe it's even the top two. It's not number one. Number one has to be We'll Fight Back. Number one has to be that parody of We'll Fight Back. Um, but that's, that's, if not top two, definitely top five, maybe top three, 
of the things that I've produced in the, over the 10 years. This is season 10 of the Liberal Dan Radio podcast. And in all of those years produced, uh, that's one of the top ones up there. I, I, I like that one a lot. So you might hear that a lot, um, at least until we find out what uh, the death toll from Sturgis winds up being because of all of the people that went during the middle of the Delta Surge. Um, it's like there are people that got sick from the Obama uh, event, the birthday event that I called him out last week on for Hitler of the Week last week. Um, just like people probably got sick at the uh, Texas event that the Greg Abbott went to the day before he tested positive for COVID-19. So obviously he didn't get it from there, but how many people did he spread it to, especially because he, like the people at the Obama party, were not masking properly. So, and I'm going to call you out on improper masking every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So, especially if you're in Sunday prayer services of, uh, what is his name, last name Spell. That's one of, that was one of, just, just to kind of go back to one of the things that was spoken about in the headlines earlier in the show. Um, I think, unless anybody else has any other questions, I think I'm pretty much done with, with the, uh, with the show about the, about the fat issues. But, you know, so this is, you know, what I've had to deal with. Um, I'm more than happy if you're watching or if you're listening to the show on the uh, rebroadcast on, um, if you watch it, listen to it on blogtalkradio.com slash liberal Dan, or if you're watching uh, on YouTube or maybe have it on in the background while watching the video on YouTube, um, which I encourage you to do many times, just have it in the background, listen to it again, give, my, give me more views. <laughs> so uh, that would be nice. Uh, but you, anyway, the uh, if you have any questions, you know you can always feel free. You can you know tweet at me Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, uh, respond to the thread Facebook.com slash Liberal Dan, respond to the uh, LiberalDan.com on the post there, or you can just email me LiberalDanRadio at gmail.com if you have any other questions or comments that you want to make about this issue, and maybe just maybe I'll make it into a uh, maybe I'll do a mini cast on it as kind of a follow up. If you have any other questions or comments that you want to talk about, if you, if, if, you th- if you can think of anything that I've missed when it comes to this topic, I mean, clearly I did miss some when I was planning the show, but our quality listeners uh, have done a very good job of, of bring, either bringing that up or bringing up topics that maybe like, should have thought of that one. Could have had a V8. Um, anyway, so we um, – yeah, if you have any questions, liberaldanradio at gmail.com. You can ask them there. Um, you can, or if you feel like going to the um, uh, minicast, I think it's minicast at liberaldan.com, or you can go to liberaldanradio minicast on Anchor. There is an option to leave me a voice message there. If you want to leave me a voice message there, I could also make the next minicast about this topic as well, dealing with those questions. And that way you can leave me a voice message there, or you could just send me a voice message uh, via email, and I'd be happy to answer that as well. Um, and we could do with that on the minicast, or if it's if there's enough, if there's enough uh, people, you know, enough topics to to continue to discuss. Uh, where where if you think that if you would like to need to expand on things any more that I've said about tonight, you know, I'd be more than happy to you know, do another whole show on it if the space is there. Otherwise, I might make another minicast if there's a see. All this food talk has gotten me hungry. Yes, I was looking um, there uh, today. I saw something on Facebook where some the peach cobbler store or something 
is coming to New Orleans, I'm like, this is not going to be good for my diet. This is not going to be good for my counting of calories, so to speak. Or if I go eat here, I'm going to have to just have salad the rest of the day because that's going to be what I, and that's fine. And that's the thing. That's the one thing that's good about the, the, how I'm watching my calories, how I'm dropping my pounds is that I can say, I'm going to go eat this 1500 calorie thing. That's ridiculous. But I have to eat salad the rest of the day and drink lots of water to keep myself filled. I have to, I have to do that. So that's a choice that I can make. I have that choice. While at Atkins, I'm not supposed to make that choice. I'm not supposed to cheat. But on this one, it's not cheating if you don't go over your calories. Simple as that. So um, anyway, and then there was another one. There was another a bar that I used to have my writing classes at before the Rona. And well, what happened? Um, well, they've added to their menu, and some of the things they put on their menu sounds so freaking good. Um, but again, you know, I can have them if I want them. I just have to make sure that when I eat them, I don't go over my overall calories. And that's as simple as it is. That, that, that's, that's what makes this plan work for me is because I am, I am taking control of those calories and I am, I am not allowing myself to go without anything that I want to have. I just have to make sure that if I want to have this on a particular day, like the other day, I left enough calories open for me to have like a couple of ounces of fancy cheese and a glass of hard cider. And it worked. And I was happy. I was happy. I was able to enjoy the, the pairing the cider with the various cheeses that I had, and I was able to enjoy the rest of that evening because I was able to do something. Like, I, when we go to trivia nights, because it's a nice outdoor, socially distanced setting, I go to trivia nights, and I will be able to have um, a couple of glasses of cider because the cider monger who makes it was able to tell me the average amount of calories in the particular uh, what they have, uh, either if it's low alcohol or high alcohol. Either way. I'm able to know what's in there. So that's good. Um, but um, it enable, I just have to watch what I eat earlier on in the day. Eat more salad. Eat less other high-calorie stuff. Fill my stomach with low-calorie stuff. You know, maybe have just some cereal in the morning and skip the yogurt. Have more cucumbers in my salad in the afternoon, and then I can have a couple extra sliders at night. So it's just, you know, but I had to get there. I had, I had to get to this point where I can feel comfortable with um, following. Let's see. I, t- I like to try a healthier recipe to make of things that are being compromised. Otherwise, when I have allergies, so I'm used to having to cook. Yeah, and that's too. Like like making healthier institutions is also a way to do, um, to, to make it so that things are easier to eat uh, without it being a drag on my calories. That's another good thing to bring up. Is And I could probably do a whole thing on you know, the whole topic. I was thinking about actually following my weight loss on my nerdydan.com channel just to kind of go and see. I've been taking pictures of myself in the same shirt every Sunday and tracking my weight, total weight. And I'm only weighing myself once a week, typically. I'm only, I'm, I'm weighing myself every Sunday and I'm trying to be strict about not trying to follow it every day because your weight can fluctuate daily, but over the week, it's typically a good time to check. But I'm taking a, a, a front picture and a side picture of myself in the same shirt to kind of see how I look so I can eventually make a time-lapse video of how much weight I've lost over the course of the pandemic, over the course of the, my attempts to lose weight. So I can maybe, so I can show in the long run how much weight I've lost. So, um, and maybe, just maybe, I could, maybe, maybe this show, if, if people happen to come around and see it or listen to it, maybe somebody will find this show and find some of the things that I've said and maybe 
But maybe they'll understand. Maybe they'll be able to say, oh, I didn't know about that study, and I did have the past childhood trauma, and now it's affecting my weight. Or maybe it's potentially affecting my weight. And maybe then, um, you know, they'll be able to, you know, say, okay, let's put two and two together. Maybe I'll go see a psychologist. Maybe I'll go. Then maybe now I'll be able to understand better why I'm I'm obese, why I'm having such problems fighting, why I use food as a coping mechanism. And and if that happens, I would, A, I would, that's great. It would make me feel, if if, if you watch this or listen to this and it makes you have uh, an epiphany moment and you're able to say, okay, um, and you're able to say, okay, uh, this helps me, please let me know. Email me, liberaldanradio.gmail.com, or respond like at liberaldanradio on Twitter, um, facebook.com slash liberaldan. Let me know if this helps, um, because I would really love, even if, you, even if you don't want me to put the information on the radio, or you don't want me to put it on my podcast or whatever, if you don't want to, I would love to have you on my podcast too, if you, if you were able to do that, or if you felt like you had the energy or the spoons to do that. But even if you're not able to do that, I would still love to be able to know that this show was able to help maybe other people. Or maybe it helped you. If you, Maybe you're not overweight, but you have a loved one who's overweight. And maybe this helps you be a little more empathetic. Or maybe this helps you uh, be more supportive of that person. Understand where that person might be coming from or all those things that that person might be dealing with to, to be more supportive of that person when they're trying to uh, lose weight, when they're trying to do what they need to do to to feel more comfortable, feel more comfortable in their own body. I don't think I'll ever be at a place, honestly, and maybe I will, and maybe it's true, maybe it's not, maybe it's a falsehood that I will never be in a place, but I've kind of been, consider myself that I probably will never be skinny, that I'll probably always have some amount of chunk to me or whatever. I'll, I'll probably always be a big guy, um, but if I can get below, if I can get down to just two, 250, people might, might say, well, that's a big guy at 250. If I could get down to 250, I would be thrilled. That would be wonderful. I mean, I, I don't know if that would be where I would be happy, happy, but I know I would probably feel that I would be in, in much better. But, you know, there's another thing in society that the last thing that we should consider is that people should be able to be happy in their size, whatever it is. But a lot of the times, just remember that one of the reasons why we're not happy with the size as we are are those things in society that remind us that we don't fit in literally and figuratively to where we're trying to be. We don't fit in. Um, we don't fit in, you know, to a seat in a car or an amusement park ride or a booth. Like when they sit, I didn't mention this, they sit you in a booth in a restaurant. That's, that's heavily embarrassing when you have to tell the, you have to tell the hostess or the host, I can't fit there. It's not for me. You have to sit me somewhere else because I can't fit because I'm too large. And then that causes a scene and you feel bad about it. And, you know, again, so just a reminder that you don't fit in. So we would be happier, happier and happier as larger people if we would be able to fit in, if society would be able to understand, yes, we need to make things for people of larger size so that they can be comfortable. As that is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. I will be back next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central, blogtalkradio.com for Liberal Dan and liberal dan radio on youtube so please remember to go to liberaldan.com to find all the places that i am online subscribe to my youtube channel and you can figure out all the different places where you can follow me on social media as well until next week dan zimmerman with liberal dan radio talk to the left that's right